This is Daniel Warren Johnson, the creator of Space Mullet, and you are listening to 11 O'Clock Comics. Did you give blood lately? <laughs> that, was, that, that was a good one. We're good. I'm so happy. I missed you guys. Mm-hmm. It's been a long week and a day. All day, every day. Yep. Sometimes I just stare out the window longingly, <laughs> thinking. Especially when it rains, just watching the rain. Yeah. 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 The carpenter. Only happy when it rains. No, the carpenter's playing in the background. I'm thinking, oh well, two more days till I talk with my booze. Listen, it's going to be heroes going to be here in a minute. We're going to blink of an eye. Yeah, it's, but it's going to blow up, and then it's going to be like, what? What do we do now? It's going to be a sad flight home. Well, then we got New York Comic Con, and uh, yay! I wonder if our guest will be at Heroes this year. I don't know. Wait, do we? Do we have a guest? Indeed. I think I saw somebody sneak. Oh, in. All right. Well, hey everybody, it's eleven o'clock comics, episode seven hundred and eighty-eight, and I'm Vince B. Oof, yes, you are Vince B. I am David A. Price. Indeed you are, and back from the dead, ready to have a beer, I'm Ernest Hemingway. Aw, you're cute. Right. That was very nice of you to do that. But, you, but you're not Ernest Hemingway, you're not Papa, you're not Ernest Hemingway, you're Jason Wood, everybody, and there's a reason why Jason did that. I seem to remember somebody else in this room. Jason, who is it? Saint it. This, this is a return to the couch, but it is a long overdue return to the couch. He was on a few times back in the early days, even even during, I would say the the Neesman days to show you how long ago that was. Well, I think Neesman was the in. Neesman was the in. Yeah, yeah we I, I believe we met this person at the first or second C two E two, and became friends and and we we have had the privilege over the years of seeing him at uh, just about every con we've ever gone to. But of course, what with the pandemic and all, it's actually been a few years since we've seen his beautiful face. But uh, he's been busy. I'd be busy too. He's been uh, he's been churning out the wonderful comic work, um, spending almost if if I have my numbers right, he could tell me from. But I think for like the last five and a half six years, his primary deal has been working with uh, with co creator Charles Soule on Image Comics Curse Words, and uh, and he is here tonight to not only catch up with us on life, the universe, and everything, but also talk about. His new image comic, which is coming out, also co-created by Charles Soule. Everyone, please welcome back to the show, long overdue, Mr. Ryan Brown. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks for having me. That was awesome. That was, uh, I, uh, I was oh so God. excited that it was going to be some other person. Like, Ooh. it was like you're playing a mystery guessing game. And I was like, oh, man, who is it? Who else did Charles work with recently? That was that was a great Gabriel Hardman impersonation. <laughs> Seriously, yeah. oh, someone's on fire. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. I'm not classy enough for him. You know, G- like, Gabe is pretty classy. Yeah. He's really classy, and he like, is. I just want him to tell me what noir films to watch. Like, that's <laughs> he will. I want from well, him. I, I think he 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 does that on Workalun, does he not? Yeah, yeah, and that's that's. I mean. Look, art advice from him is not going to help me because he's on you know another level. But but 
I can at least watch the films he wants me to watch. So that would be wonderful. There's going to come. I, I need it all curated for me at this point. <laughs> too much. There's, there's too much clutter. Yeah. There's going to come a point in his life where all of the color is going to leach away from his skin and he's going to be black and white. He's just going to walk around as a black and white man in a color I think universe. he'd be really happy. I think so too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but it's so good to have – let's talk about you. It's so good to have you here. As Jason said, it's been a heck of a long time. Uh, all of us were um, lucky enough to have read not just the first but three issues of 8 Billion Genies. And I, I can't wait to get into it. Awesome. I think yeah. it's wonderful. Oh, thank you. That's great. Well, you know, uh, very few people have read it. So, uh, oh, nice. Oh, this will be. Uh, I'm not nervous, but, you know, <laughs> um, I hope I hope you got it and, and got it like I wanted you to get it. And um, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think it's the best thing I've ever done. But uh, well, again, wow. it's all it's all in my headspace. So. I don't know how it reads fresh. I, the best thing you've ever done with someone else or just the best thing you've ever done full stop? Well, I mean, I think the art is the best I've ever done. Um, and I think I'm, I'm, you know, I'm thinking pretty clearly. Like, the story's really clear to me in terms of um, doing, bringing my own thing to it and inventiveness to it. Um, and, and the original concept was, was my concept, which, um, you know, it was it was a concept that I couldn't, that like there was no way I could figure out how to make it into an actual narrative, um, which is, you know, why Charles is writing it and okay. doing an amazing job. Um, but it was an idea I had that wasn't even really an idea, which is like a throwaway joke. Um, and I had it like seven years ago when Charles and I were like drinking at a bar. <laughs> so, uh, so it's sad. So this, I mean, we came up with this before curse words and then it didn't, you know, it just seemed too hard to figure out what, the hell it would even be um now so as far as the art goes i it 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 does seem like a pretty big departure from god hates astronauts and and curse words and and part of me wants to know if it's because of the children and your or or if you if you purposely deliberately have decided to change your style or is it just for this particular story um so to i mean just to fill people in on what it's about because that matters in this conversation um eight billion genies is about uh all at the same time everyone in the world gets a genie that grants them one wish so there's it happens right when the eight billionth person is born and so there are eight billion genies um and so uh in the first issue we see that the bartender who's kind of like uh uh like a doomsday prepper kind of guy. Like he uses his wish right away to protect the bar. So smart. Yeah. yeah. And everyone in the bar. Right. So that's his wish. Nothing, no, no wish granted outside this bar can affect this bar or anyone in the bar. And that's what he And in like 10 for. seconds, like he didn't wait like 10 seconds. Yeah. He knows something, something's up. He no, it, ready. He's, it was pretty masterful how he just dropped that like, boom. Yep. There you yeah. go. Well, I mean, you see his basement, like that yep. guy, <laughs> he's prepared, you know? Uh, so, so we follow um, eight characters in the bar as like our home base, as as you know we watch with them as the world goes crazy, right? The world is completely changed in every imaginable way um, because everybody can wish. Um, so 
for me, I, I, I decided early on, and like it took me a long time to figure out what the style was going to be. It, by taking a long time, I mean I actually had to go back and redrew, redraw a lot of issue one because it didn't look right. Um, because it, you know, it took me a while to figure it out. But I thought, I thought it would be fun to have a style in the bar that was different from anything outside of the bar. So, um, so I, you know, I got some new tools that I hadn't used very much, and uh, like a, a, you know, a pen, pen nibs, and you know, dip pens, and you know, stuff to just like make a mess. Um, and I thought, you know, like let's let's make it like really gritty and um you know messy and sloppy and just just something co- that would build up a contrast so that when you see the outside world you know it's like wizard of oz technicolor kind of moment um so that's why the that's why the style is different and and as things progress and we see more and more stuff outside of the bar like in issue 3 um you know there's a, there's a whole a whole plot of following that one character on his mission outside of the bar and uh and so that's getting back to my normal style i think um so uh i kind of wish that the contrast was even higher but you know it it's a thing since this is the first like i'm coloring the entire thing which is a big change for me as well um and so like once i have trouble leaving the colors uh sparse so so once i get done with all the colors it kind of it kind of makes the outside world in the bar a little bit more similar than i originally intended you know but like i originally intended like oh this is gonna be like flat and you know like a texture and um and so then when you see the genies who are like these little cartoon starfield dudes um like there's a big contrast between them like they they are otherworldly um you know, so so that's that's why that's why I have the style the way it is. I mean, and you know, style doesn't really matter. I never really think about style. All I think about is communication and yep. can you tell who the characters are and you, can you tell what they're doing and where they are, right? And right. so, like locking down since it's in this bar, what is the, what is the layout of the bar? Where is everyone? What are the characters wearing? Um, and you know where are they spatially so like that's then the first things i do when i get a script is figure out where the hell everyone is so that people aren't just teleporting all over the place um but yeah so the style style to me is just i don't know it's just kind of what happens i really just think more about making sure you could read it without any words makes sense i i see the the visuals um as a refinement over your previous approach um, because wh- whenever I think of you, I think of perfectly sculpted lines. All of the the elements within each panel are perfectly composed. Uh, I'm not saying you're slacking on this, but I think there's a confidence in this book that you're refining, you're distilling down to what matters, uh, and that as as you said the the uh, the story elements getting things in in the proper positions and making it um, readable uh, uh, on on a level that you don't really need direction to figure out um, mm-hmm. that's not easy to do uh, I, that's why I think I, as soon as I opened it up I'm like wow this is different. And the more I, I experienced it, the more I thought, but this may be better. 
<laughs> you know, not to, I mean, I'm not slighting God hates astronauts or curse words or any of that. I think it's no, no, great totally. stuff, but I think this is a notch up because you're, well, you, you're not trying to dazzle. You're focusing on information, visual yeah, information. I mean, there, there really aren't big moments of, of people getting punched and, you know, <laughs> drinking, drinking beer while punching someone riding a horse or whatever, right? Like that, it, that doesn't happen as much in this, um, which, you know, is, is for the best, uh, <laughs> honestly. But, but, you know, the other thing is, is that I've had a lot of time to work on this and that matters a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, especially like when I look at God hates astronauts, when it was a monthly at image and then curse words, which, you know, was a monthly, um, for three and a half years, uh, you know, I was we were putting out ten issues, ten issues a year. Um, you know, in two trades, like that was that was always the, the game plan. And then I was designing the book, um, laying it out, and I was doing final passes on colors, and I was doing whatever variant covers. And so, um, I you know like, I don't know, am I an artist? No, I mean, I guess I make art, but 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 it's really a storytelling thing, right? Mm-hmm. And so the, the the quality of the art really. You know, I would I would do all these drawings and curse words and I'd have to just move so fast. And I, I was doing pages in like four hours a page. And, um, uh, you know, it was just like, well, one of the eyes is bigger than the other eye. But you know what? It doesn't matter because <laughs> because they can tell who the character is and they can read the book because right. like, you know, I work so hard on these issues. And then you give them to someone and then they sit there and, and it takes about two and a half minutes for some people to read a comic. I'm Wow, that was a month of my life that I yeah. worked hard on that. Yeah. So, it's um, kind, kind of it, like those crazy jamokes that measure the point on Wolverine's hands where the claws pop out. Like those weirdos yeah. that do that. Yeah. Uh-huh. You know? Yeah, but see, that's the thing. When you're doing a creator own book, you, like there, people are are considerably less likely to get mad at you, right? Mm-hmm. When you're when you when you're working in someone else's space that they are a fan of and they feel that they have some degree of ownership of or control over that they, you know, then you're going to piss people off if you don't, if you, if you do it in a different way or you don't do it in the way that they expect. Um, Mm -hmm. But, which is, you know, a big reason why I just didn't want to play in that space. Like I, I I haven't tried to get Marvel or DC work in 10 years um, because, Mm -hmm. I just like I don't know. I I know too many people that work for those companies, and you have to have a real thick skin. And and uh, and I don't know. I, yeah. I just I, that just doesn't that takes so much of the fun out of it for me. So um, your Cyclops thing was in the zone, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That that was fun. Was that um, ten years ago? No, but Wars? I didn't. But I didn't seek out that that job. That was the job that that came to me. Uh, oh, they, okay. they sought me out. But uh, uh, but yeah, no, I I realized that I've been I've been working professionally for ten years. Um, that's so, it. Kind of feels longer. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's when I quit my job and and started working on Smoke and Mirrors for IDW was, huh. you know, the end of um, twenty eleven. Okay. When I started working on that book. So. Um, I, I don't know if you remember this, but we were at a con and we took uh, we, we went to the airport together Yeah. on the way home. And you told me at the time about how you had this uh, friendship with with Charles and that uh, and at the time, Charles was was getting well known, you know, for big, big two work, uh, mm-hmm. primarily Marvel at the time, if I recall. But you were saying, you know, he's really funny. 
like you wouldn't you wouldn't know it like based on what you've seen of as a writer so far but he's really funny and um you know we're we have some ideas and i, I think it's going to be pretty great and i remember you saying that and, you know it we we're in a position where we have lots of comic buddies and and obviously many of you get excited about your own stuff and that's cool and i was like oh that's great like i hope it works out and then i feel like six and a half seven years later here we are right and you guys have pretty much become like full-time collaborative partners now for i mean a a a big chunk of your career and it's gonna it's continuing obviously into this book so yeah i mean working with him is is pretty much perfect right like he uh is great to bounce things back and forth with um he hits every deadline he makes nothing but smart decisions uh upon you know about the work that we're working on and then you know, when I draw, I, I add a lot. I draw a lot in. Uh, I make a lot of stuff up that isn't in the script. Um, and then he does a lettering pass and like incorporates it. And mm-hmm. and it and it it's really, I think we we work really. I think the work we do together is very different than the work he does with anyone else. Um, and then it's very different from when I work by myself. So, uh, like it's a it's a true collaborative spirit that I think I think is really unique. Whether you like it or not, I think. I think what we're doing is our sensibilities mesh in like a a, a different way than mm-hmm. than most comics. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I know you guys even did the. I mean, you did the. It was a was it a, it was a bus or a van bus van tour. What was the that you guys did like the curse oh, words the curse tour? words tour? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We did we did a tour. Um, gosh, how many shops was it? Like seventeen shops. Mm-hmm. Um, for the first curse words trade, right. we did like a a roadshow edition hardcover of it. And we, we rented this panel van and I designed this full van vinyl, um, adhesive, uh, like printed vinyl adhesive covering that was, um, designed to be like this big curse words, wizard van. Right. Um, and we, we drove, um, we drove basically to, from Chicago to Texas down all the way around, through New Orleans, uh, up through Atlanta, all the way up to New Hampshire, and then back to Chicago. So we wow. did we did seventeen, I think it was seventeen shops, um, that like sponsored us on the tour. It was awesome. It was really really fun, and we we wore like wizard costumes to the signings, and you know some of the places had literal lines around the block, which I, I've never seen before. Um, I don't know. It was just it was it all worked out so incredibly well. It was, uh, it was amazing. I mean, the hardest part about it was that, uh, we were working full time while on the tour. So right, whoever, yeah. was, whoever was driving, the other one was working. And then when <laughs> we get, we get into a hotel and then, you know, we get a cocktail from the hotel bar and then go up and start working in the room, you know, like, um, it was, it was, a it, it was the equivalent experience of a band touring and trying to write and record an album at the same time, you know, like it was, it was, <laughs> It was all consuming, um, but but really great, and definitely something I couldn't do uh, now that I have children. But but I'm ha- but I'm happy we did that. Yeah, the the you know the it, again I know it's been a while since you're on, but but certainly when you were on, we, we talked you talked very openly about um, you know doing creator own stuff and and that uh, you know how much success we fortunately had with Kickstarter and 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 you know how that kind of was like a, a an important thing for you because you weren't sure you know about if your stuff was going to be you know marketable from a a more commercial publisher and the like and then obviously you went on to then make your own series and image and then do this so do do you feel it's a is this do you think it's a situation of it just took a few years for people to kind of 
get you and your work, or do you feel that the industry changed in a, in a way? Um, you know, I'm just wondering, like, what you, what you attribute the like seemingly the, the the transition where you know years ago you weren't you just weren't sure if 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 there was a market for your stuff and, and it, you know Kickstarter and crowdsourcing was the better way to go, or or you go publish because because now obviously you have a, a pretty robust sort of cycle here where you guys are, are obviously putting out image books on the regular and then it's seemingly in also put it being able to put out, uh, you know, in, in this case, big collections of your stuff uh, through crowdsourcing. So it feels like you found a pretty nice uh, like equilibrium between the two. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't have the biggest audience and um, I think, uh, you know, I don't know why for whatever reason uh, I'm kind of a cult following guy. Um, you know, like if, if I could, if I could figure it out, I, you know, and get some, some degree of broader appeal that would, I would do it. But I, <laughs> like, I look at my art and I'm like, that's not weird. Like, I don't know why anyone thinks my stuff's weird. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I really had to lean into, to being, uh, a publisher and running my own business. And, you know, I do a lot of shipping. I do a lot of self publishing. I do working with printers and, um, I do a lot of stuff that isn't drawing comics. Um, so, um, so for like me creatively figuring out, you know, early on, you know, I, of course, trying to break into comics, I was just pencil submission, pencil submission, um, you know, portfolio review, portfolio review, all, all the stuff that used to happen. And, you know, that was back when you just brought your portfolio to comic shows and you waited in line and hopefully you got called back for a review or, or they would have some intern there that was, you know, doing the reviews for the company. And, you know, there wasn't a chance in hell they were going to hire anyone. Right. Like, I don't, I would love to know how many people actually got a job from cold, um, showing up to a portfolio review at a comic show, you know, with, you know, CB Sobolski or something in the early days. Um, uh, so like I spent a lot of time just trying to do that and banging my head on the wall uh, against the wall and um, you know being really frustrated and and that definitely like made comics not fun because I had made comics a job but I wasn't getting any work so like it had all the stresses of a job and the stresses of of seeing everyone else's work and being like how can I do what they're doing there and how can I make this editor like me and all this stuff? And so then I, you know, stopped reading comics because I didn't like comics because they were too stressful. So, <laughs> um, uh, so I, I only really had success when I started doing my own thing. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I am in this position where I have for, for a very long time, I could say that an editor had never hired me for a job. Um, and now I have a couple small things that I've, that I've been hired to do by an editor. The biggest one was, was, um, Last year, I drew four issues of Quantum and Woody for Valiant. Right. Um, that was like the first, like, an editor who I knew reached out to me to give me a job. And other than that, that hasn't happened. And I I don't schmooze with editors and try and get them to like me and hire me. And, um, you know, so so it's liberating to me in a sense. It's a, it's more work. Um, I'm, I'm, my ass is way more on the line. Um, but I get to do things like on my terms, um, doing it the way I do it. So, um, you know, we have my wife and I have I have two small children. We have a two and a half year old and a, an 11 month old. And I'm kind of an old dad. And I, I was, part of why I'm an old dad is because I knew that this this job is like too hard to do and too 
um, difficult to rely on. And, you know, like you never know when money's coming in and the amount of time that you spend on it, on it versus the amount of money you make is, is, is not great. So, so we, you know, waited to have children until I, I felt like this is my career. Having children isn't going to get in the way of my career and the fact that I'll have to like go get a graphic design job again, which is, you know, what I used to do. Um, what was the question? (laughs) (laughs) I think success, uh, demands a certain amount of persistence. It, 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 the universe is going to slap you down. Um, you just have to do it, right? I mean, it's, it sucks. Uh, but, uh, how many instant successes can we count? Uh, there's not many, right? Uh, you, you have to ride that, that treadmill until whatever it is that's out there decides, okay, this is your moment. Like, look at Tony Fleece. Tony yeah. was he banging his head against the wall for, for years and years, and all of a sudden, bang, um, yeah. you know, stray dogs. I yep. think this book, I'm not, I don't want to curse it or, or, you know, jinx it. I think this book is going to hit hard because I, so. I, great. I think the premise is universal, right? Uh, to the point where I think you've doomed yourself because for every interview that you do for this book, you know what's going to happen. Some there's going to be a lame brain that's going to say, oh, "What would you wish for?" Like it's inevitable, right? Yeah. They're, they're going to. Yeah. That's why I was hoping the guys didn't do it because I sure as hell not going to do it. Um, it it's it's low hanging fruit. What would you wish for? Because that's universe. Everybody would welcome the chance to have their own little personal genie, even if it's only one wish. Who wouldn't leap at that opportunity? Everyone, right? That's why I think in combination with the storytelling, which is great. The art, the premise, I think this book is going to just knock people on their asses because everybody can can understand it. Everybody, it, it's it's a theme that speaks to everyone on this planet. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, literal wish fulfillment, right? Right, and yeah. Everybody has something they want um, for the most part. Um, and, you know, it, it, it's like this weird thought exercise and you could – play it out in so many different ways. Um, but the way that we have taken it and what figured out pretty quickly working on it, like, cause we, you know, it's, it's a lot of hard thought to plan out what would happen. And the thing that became clear pretty quickly is that you aren't wishing for what you would wish for. If you were the only one with a wish, you have to wish for a world where everyone gets, one thing of whatever they want right Right. so so money is pointless right and you know that car you want or that job you want like you're not in that world anymore so um i have gotten a lot of what would you wish for um oh yeah you know a lot of that right and Mm -hmm. i'm like well within eight billion genies does everyone else have a genie because they do i'm probably just gonna sit on it and see what happens right because the, the way we structure the book is um, in increasingly longer periods of time. So uh, the first issue is the first eight seconds and minutes, then the first eight um, hours, then the first eight days, then the first eight weeks, then the first eight months, all the way up to the last issue is the first eight centuries. There's wow. eight issues. <laughs> nice. So, <laughs> I was wondering where it was going. That's great. Because yeah, it is an eight issue miniseries. So, it is an eight okay. issue miniseries. It's, it's all very deliberate. Right. So, um, 
So we are taking this premise and we are planning it all the way out to the end in the direction that we think is interesting. But you could just start over, right, and and do A Billion Genies 2 and just have it happen again and right. take it in a completely different direction. That's amazing. Because, yeah. Yeah, it's 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 a super fun, uh, you know, playground, you know, to to work in because you can just have anything happen. And especially when I realized like okay, so if everybody has a wish, um you know, within within the first eight minutes, the bulk of people are going to be blowing their wishes on. I wish I had unlimited money. I wish I had 45 sports cars. I wish I had the hot wife. I wish, you know, whatever, all that stuff, right? And so then once you wish, then you are vulnerable to everyone else's wishes. You have no way of protecting yourself. Um, so, uh, you know, if someone says, I wish everyone was uh, a hippopotamus, then you're a hippopotamus with a nice sports car that you wish for, right? So... <laughs> Um, so, so in that structure, it's just like, it's just total chaos, right? So the, the, the people that win are the people that can survive longest without using their wish, right? Because that is your power. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's this economy of wishes that, um, once you spend it, you're, you're, you're kind of screwed. So, um, you know, like, so, so when I, when I started thinking about this, like, all right, so then. Uh, what, what would I do? And so I think what I would do is I would wish that everyone believed me all the time. And then I could just say, uh, hey, Wood, uh, will you use your wish on me to give me, um, you know, a bazillion dollars? And then, you know, you, you would listen to me because I'd be like, it will help both of us if you do it. And then you'd be like, oh, okay. And then you do it. And then, um, you know, because I think, I think, I think that that is the people that would end up being in charge of the people that can convince other people to wish for them. Right. So like politicians. Yeah. And, like the president. Uh, yeah. Celebrities and personalities like that, that could just, you know, be like, Oh, don't you want to, don't you want Brad Pitt to like you? Well, Brad Pitt needs you to use his wish for him to do this so that Brad Pitt doesn't have to use his wish. Um, so, you know, but again, like this is just one way that it could go. Um, but I, th I think like I would do something like that or I would combine with a bunch of people to 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 work, um, you know, together with our with our wishes, pulling our wishes, uh, you know, like so how like in this book, the bartender uses his wish for everyone else's safety. So they are all protected from all outside wishes. And so then, you know, everyone else in the bar could. You know, the problem is most people are going to be selfish. Most people are going to use their wish for whatever short-term gain. Um, but, like, if you could get a thing going where you were all working together, you could kind of make a, a strong unit. Um, so, like, the the book weirdly is kind of going in all these strange apocalypse pandemic parallels um, as we see our characters, like, locked in this bar kind of watching watching everything unfold outside the bar um but like we didn't th there is a pretty strong like correlation there but we wanted this to still be like thrilling and and wondrous and uh you know it's horrific but it's also just like you know uh, an amazing thought experiment about what happens in society when everyone gets what they want. Right. Uh, there's a word that has been thrown around a couple of times to this point, And I think uh, it, it encapsulates the book for me and it's smart. 
uh, particularly in terms of the the rules behind wish making that you guys have created for this book. Um, I, I think, like you said, the listener can tell that there's been a lot of thought invested in this scenario. But one of the things that really got me, and I don't want to spoil it because, I mean, this doesn't happen in the first issue. It happens in a in uh, towards the third issue. But um, let's just say if someone wishes to bring back a person that has passed, the the person brought back is called a remnant. And I loved, loved the hook that remnants only exist as long as the person that wished them is alive. That's amazing because that adds a whole bunch of wrinkles to this story. Yeah. And, and there's um, a scene in the second issue I don't like. I pretend I'm not a sentimental person, but there's <laughs> there's a scene in the second issue that got me all choked up. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. It got me choked up, too. I it, uh yeah I don't know I I have a strong connection to these characters and uh you know one of the thrills of working with a writer you know and, and one as good as Charles is you know I I never know really what's going to happen like we have an outline of where it goes but you know the moments and that, that moment in in issue two uh, I I'm glad that that lands well because it landed well for me yeah I was as I was reading it. I was, oh, man, these guys are so sweet. They're so amazing. This is so heartfelt. And then the stipulation kicks in, and I'm like, they are such assholes for, do- <laughs> for doing this. Because it's like the, the, the wish caresses you on the cheek, and with the other hand, it smacks you across the face. It's like, yeah. whoa. <laughs> yeah, it's it's mean, devious. It really is. Yeah, we wanted the rules to be um, really specific. Um and when uh specific in terms of these genies have a personality they're not just um you know a a monkey's paw or a lamp or whatever you know it's 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 a little you um and and we were trying to figure out what the design would be um you know i was like man i don't i don't want to do the aladdin genie i don't want it to to have cultural references to it even though you know it's called a genie like I, i i just want it i don't know I don't. I like. I. I literally did not know what to do, um, because then I started thinking like, if you have a room of eight people and they all have genies, and I'm drawing sixteen characters, and I still need room for speech balloons. So, how am I, how if I have you know eight blue muscle dudes with you know golden armbands or whatever you know Robin Williams style, um, right. you know like, how am I gonna how am I going to to manage that? Um, so, so talking to Charles, and he was just like, "Why don't you just draw one of your little guys?" And I'm like, "Oh, yeah, I could do that." Like, he's like, "Just draw like 3D cowboy." And I'm like, See, okay, yeah. I'll just I'll just draw like a little 3D cowboy dude. And then I thought, like, well, you know, these these guys um, don't want to scare you, right? They appear they appear with a great gift, and so like they want to be friendly to you. So I'm like, cute little guy, and then all the all all the genies have some sort of characteristics to make them look like the person they belong to. Yeah. So, so all the genies are unique and they all, they all look slightly different, um, which is really fun to design. Um, Cause it's like, you know, some of it's simplifying it too. Oh, that guy has glasses. So the genies has like the shape of glasses around its eyes or, you know, a beard or all that stuff. Um, but it does give them this, um, you know, little personality and, 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 
one of the main characters, Alex, has um, the the book takes place in in a suburb of Detroit where my mom actually lives, and um, so so the main character, Alex, is wearing a, a vintage Detroit Bad Boys uh, basketball shirt, which is like this famous shirt from my youth. Everybody had that shirt, um, but it has. You know, it's it's for Detroit Pistons, the Bad Boys. It's got a basketball on it, but with a skull and crossbones overlaid on the basketball. Um, which then I realized when you're drawing it in simplified version on a genie, like it kind of means something. And then it, um, you know, it's a strong visual um, mm-hmm. to have a little cute guy with a shirt that has <laughs> a, a skull and crossbones on it. Um, so uh, you know, but that but that's how so many of these things happen. Is is just you think about one thing and then a couple accidents happen and then, and then hopefully it works, um, works in the right direction. Right. Well, last episode, one second, we alerted everybody to the fact that in the previews this month is the first issue of, uh, 8 billion genies. And when I was talking about it, I said, you know, these guys are so smart. Uh, it couldn't have been happenstance that you have this cute little genie character on the cover which reminded me a lot of 3D Cowboy and the fact that you made a resin figure of 3D Cowboy in the future, I demand to walk up to your table at a convention and be able to buy a resin genie. Yeah, it would be great. You gotta it do would, it. It'll look really cool next to my 3D Cowboy. Right? Because you can put some glitter in the in the resin, right? And and really get that effect. You can, oh, you, you can, can pour a couple different colors and... You could you could do it pretty well. I I would like like a little stuffed animal or something. The, the sky's the limit, man. Gee, yeah. But that's another thing. Another smart approach is that you you've made um, merchandising entirely feasible with this book. Um, yeah, it, that's the thing that we you know with cursors we thought about as well. When I was designing Wizard, I was like, I wanna I wanna make a character that you can cosplay as that won't cost a lot of money and won't make you uncomfortable <laughs> when you're wearing the clothes so um that's awesome uh, and so that that was like that was part of the design for him that i and and, and the amount of people that cosplay as wizard is is incredible and it's very flattering um so i don't know if that should ever be a goal of a character design but i thought um uh, wouldn't that be fun uh to to make because nobody the cosplayers for god hates astronauts are are almost entirely king tiger eating a cheeseburger because people can buy a tiger mask so. right uh, but uh <laughs> and like a, a a dog chew toy burger um uh but but with eight billion genies i mean it's you know it, it, in one sense i'm like oh well, this is kind of cheap because i'm just doing the you know adventure time little dude again um you know that i like to do um and then and then soul came out and i was like man those guys kind of look like genies. <laughs> I don't know. Who you <laughs> yeah, that true, movie. That's true. And then there's like, there's that vision of the, the earth from outer space that you keep seeing in Seoul. And I'm like, man, that is exactly what we're doing here. No, nah, it doesn't look like yours. This, I've been working on this book for a long time. Like that first issue has been done for, for probably since Seoul came out. And I was just like, you know, so I had to like redraw a bunch of stuff because, um, you know, again, like having two small children, I'm like, I can't, I can't go into a monthly grind on a comic because I could barely do it with no children. So, um, 
I can't do that again. So, you know, so we're, we're going to build this up as much as we can and we'll have four issues done by the time that first issue comes out for sure. And then we'll take a, we'll take a break between issues four and five and then do the final four. Um, and then I think, you know, we're thinking about just doing one trade for the whole thing. Um, and yeah. maybe like a hardcover for the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, Thank you. You know, I want people to read it all together. And um, yeah. certainly when you, when you, you know, I don't know if it's attention span or, or what, but like when you look at, you know, God hates astronauts and curse words, like the, the first volume sold 10 times as much as the other ones. And, and people, you know, will tell me how much they like it. And I'll find out that they only read the first one. It's like, man, <laughs> I'm not getting the whole story. It's so strange that that happens. Like it happens a lot. And like, Oh, I didn't know there was more. It's like, wow, oh, <laughs> really? That's, very weird. It That's fascinating. It, it happens a lot. It happens a lot, a lot. So, um, Having it all together, um, I, I think it's really important, um, you know, for, for the reading experience. And, mm-hmm. you know, some people will probably be bummed because we're not going to do a, you know, a nine ninety nine image trade for it, you know, like a little guy. Um, so so there won't be that, uh, you know, get it cheap kind of thing. Uh, it will be like a here. Here is a book that is 200 probably a little over 200 pages and and enjoy from beginning to end yeah gotta pay a little more for the 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 good cuts yeah yeah yep. <laughs> and, and and i mean i know that i reading the first three issues it and what you just said about you know where it's going with, with, with the eighth it it feels I, I was thinking that you know the way this was playing out and the way the world is it it seems like it's pretty much what we get here is all we're going to get. But like you said earlier, you know, you do, the way the way the wishes are working, it really good. I, I, I like the idea that I don't know if, yes, this particular volume is an eight issue miniseries, but that doesn't mean that, that that's all you and Charles are going to do. And and I, I I'm kind of excited to see what might happen after that eighth issue sometime down the line. But, but when you say that uh, this has been in your head, four years how um has there been knowing the way the world has changed in those years has uh has has your story changed at all of you or, or is it still pretty much how it's going is is pretty much how you had envisioned it from the start um i always envisioned it being sillier and more fun i think and that's not to say that there isn't silly fun in this um, but, um, w- when I was thinking about it, it was more of, um, like a fun adventure rather than saying something about humanity and selfishness and, um, how we treat one another and, you know, all, all the, all these kind of communal things, um, that, that are unfortunately, I mean, I don't know if it comes from just the way the world is now. Um, or if I had actually sat down with Charles and to figure out where it was going to go, if it always would have done this, um, it, it, it might have, it might have. Um, but, but again, like I don't want to read an apocalypse story. So this, uh, this is not, this is not the way that we're, we're looking at this, right? We're not, um, I don't have, I don't have any taste for it. Um, 
And 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 actually, like with God hates astronauts, where I left God hates astronauts was was after the end of an apocalypse and the final issue. And I'd always I'd always wanted to do like a um, you know Mad Max Road Warrior meets Kroll kind of adventure thing um, with all these God hates astronauts characters. I thought that'd be really really fun to to you know make all a you know Fallout style jokes about the the post apocalypse and what. And now I just have no interest in it. So um, I actually made an entirely new issue of God Hates Astronauts, which I have not released. And um, the first thing that happens is, is that Stargrash just says, fuck this. And he, and he time travels back to when things were fine. <laughs> and it just, and it just <laughs> becomes like a, a traditional, like God Hates Astronauts in our world, in our, like my weird screwy world. Um, you know, stopping astronaut farmers, you know, kind of thing. So, um, so yeah, so like, I, I think, I think I'm hoping that genies says a lot to people about people, but I also hope that it's not, people don't go into it thinking that this book is going to be like, I don't know, like the uh, Chernobyl or, you know, station 11 or, you know, uh, some sort of you know idiocracy like i don't know just just something that just like makes you really sad yeah, like the road <laughs> like, it's not the road right it's not yeah. the road is <laughs> we don't want it to be the road um so um uh yeah like the, i especially like just trying to make it playful you know find joy find joy in it like um you guys ever seen the movie die hard <laughs> yeah. it, it's a christmas movie right yeah the christmas one yeah right so like uh john mctiernan who i think is in jail um currently who directed it he um or is he dead he's either dead or in jail um uh he 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 said he was talking on the commentary about how it was really important to them that even though it was a violent scary movie that it was filled with joy um and so that's why they put ode to joy in in the movie um and they would play it on set and it would be something to like keep keep the mood light um and 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 you know put little bits of humor in it and you know let bruce willis kind of be silly a little bit and and so um you know when you when you look at that movie on paper it's really really bleak and upsetting but when you watch it it's fun right it's fun even though all these these people are being killed so um I think about that a lot and I, there are so many of those diehard clones that completely miss that. And it's just like, you know, just violent, bleak, you know, badassery or whatever. And so, um, with God, with God hates astronauts and with, with 8 billion genies, like, you know, there, there's, there's some violence and curse words, you know, there's some violence and there's some upsetting things. And, um, I just want to make sure that I'm not like trying to ruin someone's day. You know, like I'm trying to find the joy and the fun uh, in things that are really scary, right? It's that whole to be able to cope with violence and, and bad people and things. You have to sometimes find humor in it to cope with it. So um, I don't want to traumatize people. So we don't don't want eight billion genies to be like some bleak the road version of the future or anything. But but uh, but like kind of a statement on on like the quality of man and and our you know humankind and 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 people finding themselves and being challenged and overcoming the challenge uh of of the new world that they're in so 
hopefully it's like more uplifting and fun than it would be like a uh, like a, a you know like a major bummer kind of thing. I guess right. I, I think <laughs> it's a noble pursuit, uh, and it's a balanced uh, approach, right? I mean, you you have to th- certain things resonate with people, and humor is not always one of them. So yeah. you you have to balance the the bad stuff with with humor and or uh, at least lightheartedness in some sense. So I think it's it's a it's it's a way to do it, right? You can't just be all grim. That's no fun. Yeah. There's enough it's, of that outside. It, it, it's nice to know that the the time you could spend on warm up sketches, you actually apply to thinking through these stories or yeah. your cosplay ideas and and it, it's I I I love knowing how you you particularly Ryan how your mind works. It's it's great. The uh, it's some scary shit though. It really is. But, I mean, it's, it's it's still fascinating. You know what it, um, you know what it is though? It is um it's inking. Because when you ink for the most part, um what is there's some comic artists that call it uh doing dishes when you ink. Um like uh you know inking a background is just doing dishes right like you just it gives you time to think about the things in your life or whatever um so like i I put all my time on the paper and so you know i did i did one character design sheet of four of the characters and one genie and then i just started on issue one um it's same thing every everything i do is is on the page so like Mm -hmm. uh the bonus features you know, curse words was the same way. I was like, "What? I don't have. I have almost no drawings that are not in this book, unless they're like commissioned." <laughs> so, uh, I don't have sketchbooks. I don't have any of that because I don't have. I don't have the time, right? You know, I don't have time to read comics in general. So, like, how would I have time to draw for fun? So, um, uh, you know, so so all the thinking I do while I'm working on it, right? So, like the that that improv comic I do, Blast Furnace, which I've yep. been doing again for fun. Um, you know, that's, that's the way I work. Um, I just, while I'm, while I'm drawing, I'm like thinking, thinking of ideas and, and, or, or putting things down, just kind of starting. Like, if you ask me to like sit down and write, write something from scratch, um, you know, like that would be pretty hard. Uh, it's, it's the act of like drawing it out that you start figuring out what it means and like thinking about it, like while you're working on it, like, cause it, I think a lot when I pencil and then, um, and especially when I'm doing layouts, layouts are like, that's, that's where all the decisions are made. Um, that's where I have to make sure that I could read it with no words, right? Like, um, you know, beginning, middle and end, uh, uh, action, reaction, all that stuff that I have to think about. Um, and then, uh, and then when I'm inking it, like, you know, that's when I, that's when I just kind of think about what things mean or what comes next or, or why I did it the way that I did it. And, um, or sometimes I don't think about it at all, and I just listen to baseball games. So yeah. that's amazing to me that you don't do preliminary uh, a lot of preliminary work because your stuff looks. I mean, it, it, it looks like you've thought about it for a long time, and you worked out all the kinks. And okay, here's the final version of this character. It, it's just nuts to me that that you don't do a whole lot of that. Um, yeah, very no, much I, respect, my friend. Well, thank you. You know, like sometimes you you just kind of find it like 
with 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 curse words and 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 you know the main character wizard um you know we i wanted to draw like a hipster hipster wizard um and then you know i've always i've always wanted to do the blade runner thing where you know in blade runner every character is an animal they're all based on an animal and i love animals so um uh i decided i was going to do that uh like do the do the blade runner thing for all the characters in it so so that's what i did and so then i didn't really even need to do any like concept drawings because i was like all right this is the snake person and you know the the bird person and the you know so i just that that was like well there's your design right there you just draw them to be like that animal and then that kind of does all the work for you and then like the other times i designed them like um characters from existing movies um my stuff draws from movies a lot more than it draws from comics so uh i'm like oh it's this guy is going to talk like this guy uh in this role in this movie uh, that I've seen a bunch of times, and then that's how I find that voice for for writing him and then drawing him or her. Shout what? out to Simon, by the way. Yeah, yeah, he's a, he's a heck of a guy. <laughs> I, I'm I'm very envious. But an, another thing about this book, um, the reason I think it's going to connect really strongly is that it goes beyond. Um, surface obviously because then you had all of the commentary you put in there about the way people interact and the way you know uh, humanity in general desires and 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 um goals and all that that stuff but you have littered this book with pop culture bric-a-brac um <laughs> if you're a superhero fan there are things in here that are going to uh, touch you there's um the, the robot the mech guys are going to enjoy it there's uh, fast food references i even think i saw the cat bus in one scene yeah yeah <laughs> and um but the thing that really made me i don't usually laugh out loud but i won't spoil it because um these things aren't out yet but the thing you did with the locks on the bar doors, mm. I, mm-hmm. I wanted to give you a big old wet slobbery kiss yes. because yep. that was chef's kiss. I didn't see it coming. I, I you know, you, don't, you have no idea. It's and really dumb. It's, it's so not. Dumb. No, it's but not it's, dumb no, at it's all. Dumb. It's it was, amazing. I mean, and that was certainly not in the script. So I was just like, well, uh, let's hope Charles likes this. See, that's a beautiful mind. You cannot, you cannot foster that. That has to be honed through experience and just a great sense of humor. And to some people, it must be, you know, it, maybe it's like, oh, that's that's cute. But it's not cute. It's hysterical. I'm going to let the cat out of the bag. The, the scene that made me almost shit my pants is when the the French woman is <laughs> the French woman is giving birth to the parfait. And it, I know it's a French word, but when he says par, parfait, I'm like, she gave birth to ice cream. It's like <laughs> it's so stupid. French is uh, a French is a weird weird language, man. Yeah. And and it really is. And it's all mademoiselle and all this and then I see, "Ooh, parfait." It's, yeah. It's so yeah. stupid. You but are, you made you are our target audience. You made my damn day. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> I I was giggling to the point I got the hiccups. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, th- th- that's the thing about this this idea, right? And it, it's it's not a surprise that you've had it for a long time. I mean, this is perfect for you. Like, you know, Vince, you were talking about the sort of the extemporaneous nature, but like, I really do think when when I think of of you, Ryan, like it's it, it's like you know, if anyone's ever seen that's listening to this podcast, if you've seen a good improv show, right? Like that's a that's a skill, right? Like to be able to just make oh, like, yeah. funny funny stuff like from basically what most people would consider disconnected or disjointed ideas and just run with it without much prep. And it kind of speaks to what we were, what we were just talking about where, where you Ryan, you know, you just kind of like you, you put it on the page and you've just always been a very creative thinker. And like, you are very much like an improv designer, but like there's a, a skill there that, that many, many creators and cartoonists just don't have. Right. I mean, right. Like, they may be skilled in other, other types of storytelling and, and, and it like, it's not, not a better good thing, but it's just like that's how your mind works, and it it, it is something to behold. And and I think too that that like so this book, like it's sometimes the 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 best ideas are the ones where after you you see them in action, you're like, oh, why didn't I think of that, right? And it's like you know they seem so obvious, and like this book seems so obvious because for you because it's it it allows you to just run wild visually, right? Like you by definition, you've got eight billion wishes. That are going to range from really logical, like the bartender a few seconds into the book, to the absolute absurd. And like one of the fun things is like you can see where like where the president made his wish. Right. And it didn't go well. Like like that. That's logical. You'd be like, oh, yeah, I could see the president doing that and not working out. But like but then you see like carosaurus or or like you know or fucking like like a, a, a like a highway that's that's turned into a monster and it's like who 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 made that wish like right like like you have one wish to change your life and your wish is i want the highway to turn into a monster or i want to and it's just like and and the absurdity of it is great because you know you reference idiocracy after i read these three issues of like ah like this is like this is great because it's like idiocracy like w- combined with the wonders of comic books which is where you can have you know a billion dollar production budget like it's 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 awesome because yeah like there are eight billion people and i I don't know how to say this without sounding snobby but like idiocracy exists for a reason because like most people would fuck up they would fuck it up whether they intended to or not they would fuck the wish up yep because they're either dumb or impetuous or selfish or short-sighted um and and that's like it, again, it, it all it makes so much sense as we sit here and talk about it. But like, it's one of those things where like, oh, we've never seen this before, though. Like, there have been stories, and you know, where, where you've got a genie, and of course, the there's a morality play because people make a wish, and then it, it it's like Twilight Zone. It doesn't go the way that they had hoped, and 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 it's a gotcha moment. But like, I love that in this book, you you like when you talk about the rules, you specifically say like, this isn't about like we're not going to you know. Like the genies aren't interested in doing that. Like, like they're not. They're not like trying to to screw people over. You know, like they're not. They're not trying to give you the darkest, most twisted version of your wish. Like, the, you know, that's not really the point. But yet they do have agency, which is interesting, right? Like you, mm-hmm. like you, like the idea where all the world powers want to have top billing, and the genies like, nah, it's just like, you know, it just cancels out. Or like, you know, you mentioned that you, 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 you personally don't really have interest in telling it. A post-apocalyptic story and you know there's a point in one of the issues where one of the genies is explaining like yeah like we don't like we we really we kind of we don't really reward like wishes that are like so all-encompassing that they would harsh on everybody else so like we're not going to do like a zombie apocalypse you know and like i i i love that because that's 
that takes away the conceit of like people saying, oh, well, I would just wish for the world to end or I would just wish for everybody to, you know, like I, I, I really did, did find that very, very entertaining. Yeah, and there's a smart. vibe to this. There's a vibe to this. You know, my it's funny Vince made a joke about the road because that's one of my top five favorite books of all time. But there, but my favorite book of all time, well, it's books, but is 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 the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, you know, and, mm-hmm. and subsequent work. And I've always thought you had like this a similar kind of humor aesthetic to your storytelling, and and I really got that vibe in this too. You know, we're just like crazy, wild, left to center shit happens, but but it's still grounded in like where the the centerpiece of the story is is reasonably logical. And so they find a way to navigate through these, these wondrous, crazy uh, realities, but they do it like with the sort of like, but they do it in a way that like would make sense to the average person if they were acting in that way too. So like, I, yeah, I really, I really do find this like this. I, I we're only three issues in, but I, I do agree. This could end up being your, your best work to date. Yeah. Oh, thanks. Yes. Yep. I appreciate uh, well, it. Um, no, I was just going to say, what other book can you read where you can see Mayor McCheese getting fucked up? <laughs> it's just like that wasn't Mayor McCheese. That was uh, um, uh, Constable Hamburger or something. I don't know. Like, there, yeah, wait, there's I a. Them, I, I made them slightly off brand. <laughs> right, right, but I, I, yeah. dude, my eyes say Mayor McCheese, right? Yeah, well, that's who it was, of course, right? Like, or that was that was Constable Big Mac, uh, <laughs> who 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 is one of the, like. Man, I, I'm really into the the history of all those those crazy McDonaldland characters. They're really really strange. There were a lot of really bad decisions early on. Yeah. Um, you know, and hamburger hamburger looked like Richard Belzer or something. Like he's <laughs> really weird, kind of old man. And um, and then Grimace had four arms and like just really strange stuff. Uh, it, it, the Fry Guys would have you running for the door if if oh, you ever yeah. saw those yeah. guys in real. You'd be, you'd be out of here. Yep. So, so the thing that was really for me super important, and it took me a while to figure it out, because you know Charles would write in these things where it'd be like, um, all right, so in, in this scene we see the whole world and all these crazy things are happening. All these wishes have been granted, and and here's an example of a couple of them that you would throw in there, and then just go nuts. I was like, well, visually, most people would just wish to fly. Right, there would be a lot of people want to fly. So, so every time you see the sky, there's people flying around, um, and then, and then, you know, people would wish to be invisible, and you know, a lot of things you can't really show visually, um, you know. But then I realized, oh, children, children get wishes, and that's where I'm going to have fun, because, you know, children like the child gets a genie. Within the first eight minutes, before the parents can even figure out what the hell's going on, like they're 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 wishing for some crazy stuff, right? <laughs> so, so most of the crazy imagination stuff comes from children, um, and then you know the the real serious. I wish I had a mansion comes from adults, um, but but in that sense, now I can now I can really like go crazy with drawing whatever the hell I want, you know, like they're gonna be dinosaurs everywhere. You know, they're 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 going to be robots and there's going to be, you know, all sorts of stuff where you would say, why would anyone anyone could have used this? This wish had so much power. Why the hell would someone do that? It's because they were a child or like a stone teenager or like, you know, like uh, that figuring figuring out that was like, oh, well, this isn't a bunch of adults all sitting around figuring out the best way to use their wish. It's a lot of people 
that don't know much about anything just kind of screwing around right or or yeah. maybe they got they maybe didn't think it was real and they're like oh fine i wish i was uh yeah. uh you know uh, uh 10 miles high right and then you know then they yep. you know are a super giant or whatever you know volume two pets get wishes pets uh, get wishes yeah that'd be good so, so the, the the first three issues we've got uh eight seconds into this whole thing Right, and then and then we've got hours and then days, right? So you skip minutes. I don't know why you did that. No, minutes is in the I first didn't. one. So minutes. Yeah. Oh, oh, it's one, okay. The first one is the first one. The genies appear. Then it's eight seconds. Got it. Got it. Where got the, it. the one you know the wish is made is the bartender makes that wish immediately, and then it goes first eight minutes. Got it. Okay. Um, so do we do we end with centuries? Yeah, that's the last one. Nice. That's yeah. crazy to think that the story is that broad, meaning. What? How do the people within the bar survive centuries? Like, or if they survive? Like, I don't want Mister Williams to die. I think he is amazing. He's probably politically aligned, not the way I am. So I give him a little bit of leeway. But I think he's just an incredibly smart, vivid, just a great character. Uh, the counterpoint to that is, I think the band, with the exception of Brian are dumbasses. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I do not like yeah. Daisy at all. I think Daisy is the biggest. Yeah. We're not supposed to, right? I mean, I mean no. seriously, if you're going to devote, and this is, I got to give Charles a little bit of the side eye for this. It, or maybe he did if this. it's Charles. Right. Same. Well, I don't know. Maybe you guys did this to paint a picture that these, these band members are wannabes who really don't have a whole lot of knowledge about what they do. They're just doing it. Because I was when I read that section where Jim Morrison appears, I'm thinking, you're devoting the, a good amount of your energy and life to playing rock and roll music, and you don't know who Jim Morrison and the Doors are? Like, you, you're horrible. You're just a horrible person. Yeah, well... <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, we're 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 setting them up to be a specific type of people for for a reason. Well, right? you're doing so. a good job, yeah. Thank and <laughs> when Morrison says, "Hey, you don't have an organ, but whatever, we'll we'll make it work." <laughs> <laughs> Is the um, I I I'm fascinated by the uh, the countdown with the human population and the genie population. Oh, Is yeah. Is that deliberate, or do you and Charles just throw numbers out there? And you figure, yeah, we're just going to guesstimate that you know this is how many are left. Um, I mean, it, it's delivered in terms of like approximately what we think would happen, just kind of making some guesses. Okay. Um, the numbers don't have any like code or anything to them. Um, they they um, you know Charles just kind of puts them in a script, but it, but it's based on like how we would how we thought this would kind of pace out. Um, so, so yeah, so it's, it's a, it's a fun little thing to mess with. Trying to figure out those, those, those paintings of the world that I yes, have. Those, those, are, those are really hard to figure out. Oh, they're so nice though. What do I do? It, it's a okay. great um, uh, juxtaposition to the line art. I think they were the, 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 the world. Yeah, yeah. The earth uh, paintings work really, really well. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Uh, you don't have to thank me. I'm just being honest. I think they're great. No, I mean, look, no one's seen this stuff, so I don't have much feedback yet. So, so I'm glad it works. It really does. Yeah. By the way, uh, the the you'll be happy to know 
because uh, clearly he means a lot to you, that uh, John McTiernan is alive and well. Oh, good. Is he still oh. in prison? No, he's out of prison, too. Oh, good. Living his be- Well, I was going to say he's living his best life, but I don't think he's living his best life because he's a convicted felon and he's bankrupt. But but he's uh, living a life, though. He's still breathing. That's a, that's a thing. Yeah. 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 Um, Ryan, I, I got to know, are any of these characters modeled after real-life people? Like, is there really a Mr. Williams walking around in our world? Uh, no, but there is. I can't tell you about that. Okay. Um, uh, <laughs> Uh, the the uh, the dad is is my like generic Carl Winslow character that I draw. Right. Yep. Yep. You know, I just kind of you know, I don't I don't use reference of Reginald L. Johnson photos, but I'm just like in my head. All right, this is, <laughs> you, you are this killing me. You know, this is this is Carl Winslow. Um, the uh, the the Alex is Julius in my Ryan. head. It's it's the version of the the. It's my version of the main character in the series Dark, that that German show. Oh, yes, right. Yes, yeah, yes, I yes, see yes. that now. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's kind of, I mean, again, I'm not, it's not a photo reference of him, but it's like what in my head, like I'll base him on that kind of build and kind of hair and kind of face type. Right. Um, you know, that's that's usually how I do things. Um, but, but other than that, most of the other people are just uh, uh, like types that I know, I right. guess. It's going for types. Uh, uh, the the Brian is um, based off of one of my brother's friends, um, this guy named Viasser, who is like Ooh. a giant and giant in personality and and like a very bubbly, wonderful person and and like super super memorable. I've only met him like two or three times, but when my brother became friends with him, uh, it was you know I don't know seven eight years ago, and my brother went over to his house. And and Vyasser had a copy of the original black and white blast furnace on his shelf. And he did not know that my brother was my brother. And that book, I probably sold 500 copies total to the whole world. Um, and so that is like a very, very bizarre uh, uh, coincidence, I think. But then also, Vyasser uh, always wanted to be on a uh, reality TV show. And so he got to be on finally on um some indian uh dating show that's on netflix and <laughs> and, and that's like wonderful okay. to watch that he's like on tv but like that character is based off of that guy that i know so that's the kind of i don't know if that story is interesting in any way but oh, i think so yeah i don't think that, it was a coincidence that's, that's either kind of stuff that i i you know i'm usually pulling from some life experience you know daisy is definitely someone i used to work with at a record store when i was in college so um, you know, that's, that's just kind of what I'm, that's how I, I, I assume most artists kind of just pull from people they know. So you talked about briefly the, uh, the color art. Uh, mm-hmm. I think, I think you're a brave, brave individual because, <laughs> because you make color choices that, um, intrigue and amaze me. Like you'll, you'll throw, uh, a grayish pink down next to a, a greenish yellow and it's like wow that looks great but i would probably be sweating bullets if if i even attempted that like there there are juxtapositions of color in this book that are really they're different they're odd and but that i expect that from you right after yeah. god god hates astronauts and and stuff 
Um, but I think color-wise, this book is very uh, appealing to me as well as the art. Your color choices are smart, and they're really brave. <laughs> yeah, I'm... Uh... I don't know. I the thing I think about is uh, focus, focusing the eye where it needs to go in every panel, right? So that's like the the main things that color needs to do in a comic um, are you know set the environment, uh, help you identify all the characters, um, but then it's focusing the eye to what's important. Um, so uh, you know using light source, even though it doesn't make sense to highlight the person that you need to highlight or the face you need to highlight or the hand or, or whatever it might be. So, um, and then it's a lot of trying to create space. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not the most skilled draftsman and I get a little heavy handed. So, um, you know, when you're trying to like, my lines get a little thick is what I'm trying to say. And so when you're, when your lines all get kind of thick, then, um, you know, it's hard to create depth. It's hard to create that space, right? You know, um, the foreground, background kind of stuff. So so I use color for that a lot. And so on this book, uh, I have a buddy of mine who's, who's helping me, uh, you know, assisting on the files. And, and one of the things that I'm having him do is I'm putting a color hold on every background. So um, to try and push it all back. So like all the lines that are in... Um, in the bar for the for the bar behind people the walls whatever the tv you know mirror whatever all those are not black lines they're like you know a navy kind of color um and so and so that pushes them back and pushes the 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 people forward um because that's that's what it's about so um you know and that that's a lot of extra work to like do that and i'm happy i have an assistant to help me with that um i'm looking at a panel now and it's um i don't want to be too detailed as far as the narrative goes but somebody comes back to the bar and it's a panel where this character's back is towards the viewer and and you have him uh in in fairly fairly deep shadow right but as you said, the background is uh, the walls of the bar are a little on the muted side with the uh, the lines aren't black, which is great. Mm-hmm. But um, I guess the point I'm trying to make is the genies are the great equalizers in this book. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they, I mean, you cannot look away whenever they appear. I mean, there's a, a huge sense of depth in this panel because of the way you've you've manipulated the lines and the color. But when the genies pop up, I mean, they just, bam, the, all eyes are on the genie just because they are electric blue. And yeah. the, the, the nice little white outline around them, the, 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 the glow that they have, I think it's, it's really uh, canny design uh, mechanism that you've employed for this book where um, you, you have your sense of space, but then when you throw a genie into it, uh, you have the space, but then – you're aware of this this depth, but then the, your eye just goes, bam, right to the genie. And then you'll work out the rest of the panel. The more you look at it, the more it becomes clear. But the genies, I think, are extremely eye-catching and attention-hogging uh, in this book. Yeah. I mean, they're always supposed to be kind of doing their own thing, right? And so, Right. Well, they should. They're not from this plane of existence. Yeah, sometimes sometimes they're um, you know Charles is telling me you know ideas on what they're doing in the background, and other times, you know, 
like I have in an issue three that, you know, Brian is tuning up. And so I was just like, well, maybe his genie's tuning up too. You know, like he's just have a little genie guitar. And, um, <laughs> and so like, you know, <laughs> having like little fun moments like that. It's like, you have, they're kind of cartoon characters in a world that's supposed to, to, you know, not, I'm not, I'm not doing realism here, but, but there's, they're supposed to be three dimensional figures, you know? So, right. um, uh, but but one of the great things is that that the genies are a secondary light source, and so right. um, it limits you in terms of you're always gonna have the blue and the red in your palette. Um, but um, you know, like I had to like really work on what the bar was gonna look like because we're going to see this palette over and over and over and over again. And one of the other things realizing, like, if they're going to be living in this bar for a while, like, what clothes are they going to be wearing? And so, um, especially in the third issue, when it takes place over eight days, um, every time we come back to the bar and it's another day, they have different clothes on. And mm -hmm. so the clothes are uh, the T-shirts that the bar sells and the T-shirt merch that the band was selling. And so all the characters are kind of rotating between wearing a bar shirt or wearing a band shirt. And uh, the colors are always basically the same colors that we've been dealing with um, throughout the entire thing. So hopefully it doesn't get boring to have it um, like one palette set, but it certainly makes my job a lot easier. Um, you know, the, the the scene in issue three where he goes out and ventures in, into the world, I had to like work. Those pages took a long, long time, especially the... Um, the scene with like the mobster dude in the mm, bar and the, right. the, the other bar, you know, that, that the coloring just was a nightmare. So, um, you know, well, it came out know. really good. Well, thanks. Yeah. Thanks. Speaking of brutal, it, um, it's remarkable yeah. hearing, hearing him talk, hearing you talk Ryan about like this stuff. Cause I think if people are, have never met you and, and, but I've read some of your comics, like, you know, there is a, a gonzo sort of, uh, aesthetic to, to a lot of them, but like hearing you talk about this, of, of of all the guests we have on, like very few have ever indicated such depth of thought into the rules with right? which they create a page, right? Yeah, like it's true. Like I mean, the idea of like you actually thought about what clothes they would wear in that situation and make sure that they're consistent. Like I'm sure most people wouldn't have given that a second thought one way or the other. Like they just draw them in clothes and like they they might say like oh well it's been a different it's a different day so they're gonna have different clothes on but they or, or they might not have even thought about it. So like. I do find that fascinating that you get so into the intricacies of these worlds you create because it, it, it doesn't like, like when people think of like Hickman, they think that, right? They think like, Oh, he's got like, you know, he's got, you know, yarns of string that are connecting all these dots in a, in a room somewhere. He's mapping all this out. But like, I don't think they would think that in a Ryan Brown comic, given how crazy the, the environments <laughs> usually are. And yet you, you, I think you take it as seriously as he does when it comes to those things. Yeah. I mean, I think I just, I make it up as I go along and then I, I, I try to make it connect. Right. It's all just improv. I, you know, I can't, I can't think 20 steps, you know, into the future. I really just kind of start and then I figure out what it means. Well, I think the hey, difference, man, you, you, you're the one that, uh, that, that, that I can never think of a piece of, I can, I look for tangents now every time I ever look. at <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. It's a curse. <laughs> sure. Me, you know, I, I, me, if you, the tangent kings are uh i mean i'm not a tangent king but i i i i cannot ignore them uh burnham is the other one it's just like burnham and i burnham and i will talk about tangents he'll send but he'll send me some of his art and i'll be like dude you got a tangent here and he will have missed it so uh but then i also like tangents happen all the time and i 
I like I'll usually leave it because I don't have the time, right? On Genies, I've been able to like rework things, but on like on Curse Words or Goddess Astronauts, there's like there's weird small hands and big heads and you know things lining up wrong and all over the place. But I, I definitely got to the point where I was like, look, there's being an artist and there's being a storyteller, and what I what I I'm never going to be that badass artist. I'm never going to be that that person that, you know, sells every page of original art from each issue, you know, and all that stuff. So, uh I'm going to really try and tell a story. And that's that's what I'm going to like that's what I want to be known for, you know, the the guy that could tell a story. So, um uh you know, we'll we'll see how that goes. <laughs> You're that guy to me. Uh two things. Uh one, I mentioned you Every time I teach illustration to first class, I always make them very aware of tangents. And first, first of all, I have to explain to them what a tangent is. And then I always let them know that I have a friend who is the Steve Irwin, the, the great tangent hunter of, of uh, you know, the, the art form, because he, he will be able to spot a tangent like uh, nobody's business. And then I show them examples of what tangents are, and they I can see the light bulbs going off yeah. in, the, in the kids' heads, like oh. And but it, it's it, unless you show them, unless you have visual evidence of what a, a, a tangent is, they don't get it. But once you show it to them, they're like, oh, now I get it. And it's like I have done my job here. If they learn nothing from me the entire semester, it is number one to avoid tangents. <laughs> so thank you. Uh, well, I mean, hey, you know. It's a noble effort you're putting in there. You really have to make the world better. Yeah, it's like, why is this man picking the other character's nose? Well, he's not really. It's the way you've composed this image that you <laughs> fucked it up. But anyway, um, and and number two, I think um, the difference between you and Hickman is, I think um, the the uh, investiture is that a word? The the amount of energy you invest into the 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 thinking, the conceptualizing of the work, I think is similar. But with Hickman, it's explicit because it's part of the narrative. But with you, it's it's not. It's it's more uh, part of the world. So if if you're perceptive enough, you'll see it. But if you're just you know Joe average reader, um, that's you know just trying to get a story out of it. I think you'll absorb it on some level, but it may not be readily apparent. As with like Hickman stuff, you have to pay attention because if you don't, you're going to miss a whole bunch of the story. Whereas you are investing all this energy into just the the look and feel of the world. That matters to me. Uh, and I think most people pick up on that, but they're just not aware of it. So I I think your energy is, is noble and well-directed. But uh, if you're looking for immediate returns on it, I don't think you're going to get it. No. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. But, I mean. Yeah, I mean, I, it's just like a texture. And, uh, you know, I, I always just, I kind of. My influences are movies and The Simpsons and um, more so, more than comics, and so a lot of a lot of that just comes from you know like I, I just want to I want to be able to tell a story like the Coen Brothers like that's always Oof, um, yeah. what I want and I you know I'm not nearly smart or clever enough um, but but in terms of like um, trying to come up with clever details uh you know a lot of it just happens in the art when i'm sitting there and i'm i'm you know doing the dishes so to speak you right. know and and it's just like all right well then you know like i want to put some things in here that entertain me and and 
uh, the letterer I work with, Chris Crank, he he's he I, he really doesn't like lettering me. I know it, you know, because because I I fill space, you know. I'm like, all right, well, the characters need to be. You always have to think about the order that they're going to be speaking on this page, and then you stage them like you were staging a play. But but you have to think about from left to right. So um, so when so when you're staging them, you know, like. I think I do a pretty good job at that. And, you know, I try to not break the 180 rule. And, um, but, the, but when you have a lot of dialogue, then you have a lot of empty space. And I always try to fill that with like little jokes or little signs or, um, you know, people doing things in the background that are, I think are funny. And then, and then when Chris Crank goes to letter them, he doesn't want to cover it up. And then he just like, I, oh, you didn't leave me any room to, to put the dialogue balloons. Like, well, I kind of think that like a lot of that drawing is just going to be our little secret and no one's going to see it because it was, it's, it was intended to be covered by, by, by a word balloon. Um, like uh, in the, in the most recent issue of God, it's astronauts that, that I did that no one has seen. Uh, there's a whole sequence that takes place in like a novelty bar. And so it's just like, you know, f- just funny, stupid jokes to me. Like, you know, there, there's a TV on and, and the guy and a, and a, baseball players getting hit in the face with a baseball like right at that moment and then there's an arcade machine and it's called ass tapper and there's uh a sign, <laughs> signs about you know like uh shrimp cock tails Stop. like really small and like you know i don't know just it's it's that wannabe jeff darrow stuff i guess but... <laughs> well it's very much appreciated why well, um so is the the uh, you coloring this? Was that just for more control on the finished product to save time? Just to you just wanted you didn't want to pay a colorist. I I, it, I mean it looks great. I'm not it, it it definitely and again because of the lines from from your previous work. There's there's definitely a a, a visual change, but um, I'm just curious. Yeah. Um... Well, I I really think that there are not many good colorists in general. Um, nice, nice. And I think that color is something that people don't know they don't like, uh, you know, and and blame it on the on the, the person who drew it. Um, you know, there's like, oh, I don't like the I don't like this artist. I don't like the way this book looks. But they're almost always, I think, uh, responding to the color more than more than the lines or the way someone draws Cyclops or whatever. Um, so, um, that's super important. And, and so my approach to color is very heavy handed and very intrusive. And, um, and I draw for color because, uh, I don't know how to render. So when I'm thinking about, um, you know, like I, I went to art school and I really liked painting. And so when, when I really tried to focus on making comics the way you're supposed to make them, I was figuring out how to ink and how to basically work in this binary on off art style. Um, and I, you know, I still have trouble really making something seem full or giving something depth um, because I'm basically drawing mostly in like an open line style that, that needs color to finish it. So um, for, for curse words, uh, you know, I worked with Addison Duke who was, um, he was an image comics production artist who um, I met and he was like a digital painter. And so I, I kind of said like, do you want to like 
you know, I need a colorist for curse words. Do you want to like kind of work with me and I'll teach you the ropes and then let you, let you go. So, um, so we did that and that, that worked, that worked pretty well for most of the book. But, um, when it, when it came to 8 billion genies, I was just like, you know, with curse words, I kept wanting to like have the files so that I could tweak the colors. Like so much, so many of those issues I went over and did a pass on pretty much every single page. Um, and so, you know, I'm just, you know, I've, the jobs that I've had when I haven't had like total artist control, I've had, you know, a lot of bummers. And so, uh, if I could work with Matt Wilson, I would be amazing. But, but you know, he's, everyone wants to work with Matt. So, um, so I just kind of decided like, well, maybe I'll try and do the whole thing myself and having an assistant really, really helped because my eyes suck and staring at a screen sucks. And so, um, you know, having the pages be, you know, halfway finished when I start, um, is, is, is really, really helpful. But, but I really do think that people respond to cover colors way more than they think they do. And I I think that it's just a Uh human condition, right? We're, we're conditioned to, to see colors and learn from colors and colors mean certain things. That thing is rotten. That thing is gross. That thing is hot. That thing is dangerous. You know? So like, I think we just inherently have an instinctual reaction to colors and it, you know, it's hard for people to, to voice that. Like I hate the color green, so I don't put green things as much as I can. And if I do, it's, it's, it's very sparing. Isn't um, that weird? <laughs> I mean, um, it, artists always have a color that they absolutely despise. For me, it's yeah. yellow. I really don't like yellow. Really? Well, I, oh, not at all. Yellow. No. I, I, my palette is, is almost always Superman ice cream. Um, that's that's kind of where I start. And so, like, I'm not a very... Uh, <laughs> I don't have a very wide skill set in terms of, like, the diverse approaches to things. Um I just kind of start with Superman ice cream on, on most stuff, and that's you know, and that's that's why like you know, light lights lights are usually yellow, um, you know they're usually warm, and so then the shadows are are cool, and so then I've usually got like a yellow and a blue from that, and then um, and then red occurs in skin tones, and so yes. that's usually sets me up there, and that's like the big start, and you know sometimes I'll put you know, a photo filter over the whole thing to make the whole thing, you know, you know, narrow the palette towards a blue or something at night or, 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 or or whatnot. But, um, but yeah, I'm pretty much doing the same thing over and over again. Like I don't, I don't, uh, uh, I'm not a master of color theory. (laughs) Well, I, I equate manipulating color with language, uh, specifically verbal, right. Um, to explain, You'll have someone that is just very matter of fact. Yeah, we went down to the pizza place and, uh, you know, I got a slice and we sat down and had a pizza. Like the guys that just speak it, 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 in terms of exactly what they did. And then you guys got you have guys like Jason who, who speaks very eloquently and he chooses his words very carefully. If the word doesn't mean anything within the sentence, if it's extraneous, he won't use it, right? That's a lot like color theory. You got the guys that go in that just drop in, you know, primaries, a couple of secondaries to, you know, jazz it up. That's about it. But then you have the really eloquent colorists 
that go in and they are spinning that color wheel, man. They know the science. They know exactly what color to drop in in terms of eloquence. Like it, it, there, there's a there's a profound nature to some of these colorists that they pick, they choose colors that are the perfect color for the instance in which they're describing, i.e. a very good eloquent speaker like Jason. So I, I don't want to give him a compliment, but it's true. He, he speaks very well. But that's when I, I always make that distinction that the, the, the color manipulation is akin to very eloquent, well-thought-out speaking. Yeah. I don't and know then, where I was going with that, but it, it, it stands. It can, it can be that way, or it can also be that it, it, it goes unnoticed, right? Like A whisper. You, 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 can have, you can have paper girls, you know, and have all the pinks and purples and, um, you know, nobody, nobody has a real – no one has a, a, a real skin tone. Skin tone, you know? right. Exactly. Uh, you know, and, 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 and you know, that's, that's gorgeous to most people and then to some people that, you know, taste like cilantro or whatever. But uh, right. you – you could do that or you could have, you know, for years, I don't know if it's still this way, but DC comics was always had this approach that green lantern was green and Superman was symbol always had to be red and blue. And, you know, like, so like all those characters had to be identifiable from across the room by their colors. So they're, you know, they weren't pushing towards anything but local color. And so it was, you know, you couldn't do a lot of crazy lighting effects and, um, you know, you couldn't you couldn't do Paper Girls on on Justice League, right? So, um, which is why those books are really boring to look at, even though sometimes they're really well drawn. So, well, Frank tried it with DK too, but nobody wanted to read it. Yeah, nobody, <laughs> nobody. So, yeah. <laughs> well, I should but, say Lynn tried it with. Yeah. didn't she do DK too? Yeah, she did. Yeah. Mm. So. It's a masterpiece. People just mm, uh, sure, he, yeah. humanity will evolve into accepting DK two as the masterpiece that it is. One I think day. if I were in this comics world, my wish would have been the DK two never happened. Damn, that's really hurtful, man. Especially to us <laughs> that like worship that book. It's not right. My wish is that uh, friggin' what's the book? Uh, Warren Ellis, Next Gen or, or, or Next Next Wave? wave. Or, yeah, oh. Next Wave never happened. Well, but keep it. Keep oh, in mind, so you, you you wishing next wave off out, out of existence isn't as anywhere impactful or hurtful to me. As, it's as, it's very true. Yeah, it's yeah. hurtful. It's hurtful to me just for the issue where every page is a or it's all two page spreads of them fighting all the weird ass <laughs> shit like that. Man. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, these two absolutely blasphemed the 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 book and broke my heart, it's, and we did it book of the month, and uh, I'm boring. still not over it. It's but boring. Yeah, and Stuart Eminem's art is so good in it. <sighs> yeah, it's all that. It's just not readable. <laughs> so, so let, let's while we have you. Yeah. You are a as a, as we said earlier, you are an experienced, uh, battle tested, crowdfunding expert. Yes. You have uh, you have crowdsourced successfully many a thing, and uh, and you currently. <laughs> first of all, I want to know did like what kind of storage shed are you renting? Because uh, eventually, when these books arrive, uh, you, you currently have two uh, kickstarters that are uh, in the process of being fulfilled. Uh, you have the God Hate Astronauts six hundred eighty page Omni Megabus hardcover. 
and you have the curse words, the whole damn thing, 768 page hardcover omnibus. Uh, both were, I think successfully, they were both what? 2021 projects, right? Like I'm trying to look, I'm pull up the pages. Cause I know I pack them. Curse, but. curse words is, is technically done. It just, um, there's just people that still don't fill out their surveys. So, and I, none of my, none of my kickstarts are technically fulfilled hundred percent because of the people that bought things and then never looked at it again and didn't, you know, sure, I, can't, sure. I have no way of contacting them, but curse words has been done for a while uh you know call done um but you know i think there's still like 50 people that <laughs> haven't responded on the uh, 75 dollar book they bought so you know so that's okay. done that's that's done and dusted yes uh and then you and just that put 20, a- that was 2020 and then uh that was in may of 2020 and it took me all the way until <sighs> April of 2021 to call it done. And then in June of 2021, I did the God hates astronauts on the bus, which is currently uh, just got offloaded from a freighter at the port of LA where it is. Right. I was going to say you just put an update time. in yesterday. Cause I got the ping that, that it was finally, finally here, yeah. really close to it. Yeah. I can't wait. Yep. Guess what? Gas prices are also really high now. So uh, I have to get these books freighted in a giant truck and it's going to be at least, two times by three times as expensive as it was supposed to be oh, this man. is a terrible time to uh ship and publish and uh, uh i've done it uh now twice during the pandemic um and big books too like not like, big like ones not... yeah big ones yeah, yeah i mean look <laughs> that was the thing i i had i had two kids in pretty quick succession and i couldn't get work done so uh you know i was like well i gotta like you know, we wanted to do eight billion genies. You know, we were we were ready to start on it in early 2020, and uh, um, you know, it it you know like like in vain, like full time, like for it to come out last year. Um, because I, you know, I've been working on that issue one. I had the issue one for has been sitting around forever, but we were gonna like we were gonna actually do it, and uh, then uh, you know, like I having two children, like. It's just it was just impossible. It was impossible to get work done. The pandemic meant that we weren't going to have childcare come into our house. So, um, you know, my wife went down to part time, and I basically went down to part time, and then working at nights. And so, I had to come up with projects that would compile things that were already done. So, that's where the curse words omnibus came, and the money we made on the curse words omnibus. Um, directly is funding me living, making 8 billion genies. So we just, you know, are using that money still to give myself a page rate. Uh, when I turn stuff in, we pay me, pay myself out from the company. So, um, doing that omnibus is, is why I can afford to spend, you know, many, 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 many months not having comics out and not actually making any money. Um, cause I'm just kind of partialing out that stuff. Um, and then, God hates astronauts did extremely well. Um, and you know, both of these books are books that image didn't want to do, um, because of the pandemic in these forms um, to be clear to people listening. Like you mean, you mean they didn't want to do omnibus big versions of them? Cause obviously no, both- they didn't. And you know, the omnibus is, is tough, right? Like it's so much money up front to print a book this big and fancy. And, when you have them in the book market and they can be returned and when they get damaged very easily and these are nice books so people don't 
people aren't going to buy it if it doesn't have perfect corners. And so <sighs> you get a lot of returns, lots of, you know, so it's just, it's a, it's a scary place for a publisher to invest in. And so, you know, we, we asked if we could do the Christmas thing. They said, yeah, we're not going to do it. So, you know, go for it. And so, and that went really well and it went well enough that now images it's out of print. So image is going to, uh, we're doing a, a new, new printing with image. Um, that's supposed to come out at the same time as 8 billion genies, but um, it probably won't make it overseas in time. So, um, and then, you know, and then God Aids Astronauts, they, they printed a soft cover version after seeing the success of, of the Kickstarter. So, um, you know, I, I've, I love image. They're my, they're the only publisher I ever really want to work with, um, you know, because uh they, they it's it's you know it's a whole risk reward situation so image doesn't give me any money up front image um is is letting me take um a lot of the risk um and the risk that they're taking is you know uh basically just soliciting it right because because they print based on what the orders are so they the, the money they invest is based on what the orders they already have so so most of the risk is me and and like if eight billion genies one comes out and sells a thousand copies like charles and i are are, are in trouble <laughs> so um you know image isn't we are so um but i love that because when you when you take so much of the risk you you get a much bigger reward so if it sells really well we'd make a lot more money than than if we did it with with any other publisher um so, um, so with doing, doing the, the Kickstarters, um, I'm taking all the risk on myself. Um, and you know, so there's, there's no diamond taking its percentage stores, taking their cut, you know, even though I love, you know, stores, um, uh, you know, I can, I can, I can sell one thirtieth of what I sell in the store and make more money by doing it on Kickstarter. Um, and then I just basically live on that money to make the next project, you know? Um, so, so yeah, so the, the, um, uh, the God hates astronauts one is, is still ongoing. And I finished the book and sent it to press in August of last year. Um, and due to COVID shutting down the factory and paper supply issues, um, it is taking forever. And ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And like uh, then then freight is a big thing. I learned all about the world of freight and how screwed everything is. Um, and then and how hard it is to get on a boat uh, if you're not Amazon or Walmart. Um, and uh, and then how impossible it is to get through the port of L.A. So the, the boat sat there. It was supposed to take a month. It took three weeks three and a half weeks for them to offload it off the freighter. Um, but it's, you know, it's, it's, it's literally about 10,000 pounds of books. Um, and the printer I'm working with is going to ship them all out from their warehouse in LA. And so at the end of the day, I'm going to get about 500 copies to my house to live in my garage. So, um, it's a lot of freaking copies, dude. And by the way, th for those that, that didn't, back it then you missed out because it's you, it was 69 dollars for the hardcover omnibus i mean and you know as someone who buys a lot of omnibu for my shelves uh 680 pages of of comics in a beautiful hardcover for 69 dollars is ridiculous 
Yeah. Well, I mean, a lot of it, it comes down to the fact that I don't have people taking chunks out of it. Yeah. Like, you know, I can sell it a little bit cheaper, um, than, than you would normally at a, at a, at a store. Um, but you know, like I, I have, I overprinted because I never want, I never want to print it again. So, um, so people can still, still order it on my store if they want. Um, it, it does, it does, uh, I do have a bunch of copies that I will have at some point, but the day is coming very soon. And after months and months and months of delays, um, entirely caused by the pandemic, which Kickstarter is this, you know, trust based economy, right? Where you're trusting me with money up front and I am rewarding you by giving actually giving you the product, giving you the book. And uh I could just run away and and flee the country or whatever, um and give you nothing. Oh, you don't have to flee the country. You can you can keep going to cons and have people act like oh, you've you've oh, never well, ripped them off. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is definitely true. But <laughs> and, like and post on Facebook. They have big disclaimers now. When you when you when you back a Kickstarter, it says this is not a store. You are not guaranteed any product from this, and it's just like, but people are still backing them, which is awesome. Um, uh, but so to me, it's like, well, you put a lot of faith in me, so I need to deliver, and so that's why I only Kickstarter books, Kickstart books that are you know ninety ninety five percent done, um, so that I can get them the press, and like you know, it's not years and years, and so. With curse words, um, the pandemic didn't hurt us, but what hurt us was we hired a fulfillment company that was a big fulfillment company, and they they completely screwed it up, and 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 they cost us tens of thousands of dollars, and they damaged Hot blows. probably three hundred, four hundred copies of the book. Um, it, we had to like get to the point of like l- legal threats. And they they sent us back all of our books, but but so that was that was a huge disaster. And then once they gave it back to us, they had very poor records of what they had actually sent out. And so then it was trying to figure out, you know, of our of our fourteen hundred backers or whatever it was, like who got books, you know, where are those books, how many books are damaged, just replacing. I mean, it it became such a such Ugh. a huge nightmare like the, the easily the worst nightmare i've ever had uh like in my life professionally or anything like it was just it was months and months of every day being someone telling me that i did a bad job you know so so like it was it was pretty rough and so i decided i maybe wasn't going to do this again but you know i already had all the god hates astronaut stuff done so i decided to do it i was like look i'm not using that fulfillment company the printer is going to do my shipping for me um, you know, because I don't own forklifts. Like this stuff is huge, like ten thousand pounds. I don't, and even if I did, I would be very bad at driving them. Um, <laughs> and so, so I was like, all right, well, you know, I'm trying to be smart. I'm trying to think as many steps down the road as I can, and like figure out the ways that I'm not gonna lose all, you know, all the sleep and and have all the stress and just like, you know, it it just everything went wrong because of the pandemic and i i hate making excuses especially in a situation where i want you to give me money and i'll give you a book and we don't have to have this long drawn out drama together right because because you know i'm rewarding you for rewarding me by pre-ordering this thing by giving it to you and you know not causing any problems and so now i'm like in the middle of another year-long kickstarter um for a book that was finished in august and you know 
95% of people are cool, but then the other 5%, you know, like to message me and tell me how disappointed they are in me. And like, <laughs> it's just like, <sighs> but it's awesome, right? It's awesome that I can make my comics. Like I couldn't, no one was going to publish this book. Um, and, and this is the, I, I wasn't going to be able to front $32,000 for the print print run, you know, like that just wasn't going to happen. So, um, you know, like it's amazing that I can do this stuff. It's, 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 it's why I have a career is because I can do this stuff. Yeah. Um, and so then when I have all this kind of grossness of, you know, the ports and the freighters and the paper shortage and COVID shutting down the factories. And it's just like, oof, you know, sorry, everyone that I have to just keep apologizing. <laughs> I think you've earned, um, a substantial nice a substantial amount of goodwill just because you have had a a, a good number of of, of really well-run um precision kickstarters prior yeah, to the world agree. going into the shitter yeah right i mean i i, I the god hates astronauts thing is is the least egregious of my kickstarters like i have one from mort todd the he reprinted the the Charlton not Charlton uh cracked monsters attack series my son was in 4th grade when i pledged to this thing oh, shit. he's graduating this year and i still don't have my hardcovers so like i don't think you should feel bad about the world taking a dump on your plans like that happened to everybody it just that's the way it worked out but there are guys on kickstarter that are just like they could learn a thing or two from your uh, past performance, let me tell you. For sure. <laughs> well, yeah, I, uh, uh, I, I'm working. I'm working on to like, you know, just kind of chilling out a little bit. It's just, it's just a, it's a weird thing because I want you to uh, feel like you're a part of this because you are as a backer and. And and part of that is I run all these Kickstarters myself. I do all the logistics myself. Um, I do all the communicating with people by myself, right? It's all me. And so but what that leads to is like two days ago, sitting down for dinner, I got a ping on my phone and it was someone telling me like what bullshit this is and how they want a refund. <laughs> and it's like, okay, well, I will give you a refund. And then it's like, well, no, my night is ruined. And it's just like, like, I don't know, man. It's just the internet broke people's brains, right? And it's yeah. just like, I'm just a person. I'm just a guy, you know. Like, if you if you have some issues, you know, like I am very easy to communicate with, and um, you know, I'm so sorry that this has happened to you, but like, like I don't know, man. I'm trying. <laughs> you know? Nah, dude, I, I'm with Vince. I mean, I mean, I think you you have. Like you have a long history of delivering, you know, and it's interesting to me because uh, I have certainly been quite vocal in my frustration with a number of of well known Kickstarters. But you know, it's just it, it's like I guess it really does. So I mean, like I'm not surprised to hear that some people have complained because like people are going to. But I I would hope that the majority of people that have backed you have been supportive. Like I haven't even blinked yeah, an eye. They, they are. They are. Because, like, especially like, again, it's a pandemic, right? I mean, we have a situation where the supply chain for the entire comics industry is fucked up right now. I mean, yeah. you know, oh, uh, I mean, I, you know, we, we like, I, 
we're all it's to the point now where we're all almost like used to just not getting books like when we're supposed to because it's like oh my store got shorted or oh the 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 shipment didn't arrive to to our to our lcs like so i don't know when i'm gonna get my books because they don't know you know like it's just become so commonplace that i would think that people have and then you know i have like i but you know, you'd have to go a long way from now. Like you'd have to come on five years from now and talk about how you're, you're promised you're going to get these books in our hands before you'd be even in like the top, you know, 50 of, 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 uh, of, of, of comic book Kickstarter scenarios. Right. Like, like, I mean, Tony Harris, you know, round die was 2010, 2010, you know? Well, and, you know, don't, don't call it done yet. A lot of, <laughs> a lot more crazy stuff can happen. You know, things can catch on fire um, sure. No, I understand. You know, it's uh, I, I'm I'm just I'm bracing for what the next next huge issue is. But right. uh, you know, like we're we're at this point where I so they're gonna they're gonna ship them out of the warehouse. They custom designed these crush proof boxes. They're really cool. They're like to to fit the box and um you know so I didn't have to pay for bubble wrap, but I but I paid a lot of money for these special boxes and you know it's great because I didn't have to give you line any money um and uh they uh you know the the all the books are packed in those boxes and the printer packed them all in and they shipped them over here on this this giant boat and the boat sat forever and and now they've got them or they they will have them this this coming week hopefully and uh and so then I'm going to ship ship them I'm going to print out $15,000 worth of shipping labels and 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 mail them to them <sighs> And then they're going to put them on the boxes, and there's Whew. there's six six variations of this hardcover. So I'm gonna label as best I can, uh, but <laughs> you know, like the way that all of this has gone, um, you know, uh, I I will sleep easy once I once it's done. Once it's done. Yeah, I don't remember what Kickstarter it was, but when you were getting funky with the boxes. Like like altering the boxes in a certain way based on what tier you pledged that I was like, my man is out of his damn mind. <laughs> but well, I've simplified stuff a lot. What you have, yeah. But from this conversation and previous, um, I think you're a bit hard on yourself. No, I'm, I don't think I know. Uh, you, you denigrate yourself about the art, about the business side. Man, you are light years ahead of most cats out there. Um, <laughs> In terms of business, but visually, I, I think you need to lighten up, man. You stop beating yourself up because you are. Yeah, agreed. You are I, really. He's got me thinking about all the the, the Kickstarter nightmares. Like, Liefeld's Brigade <laughs> Returns was eight eight years before it was fulfilled. Well, fully on you for for pledging to that. No, I know. I mean, Great Big Hawaiian Dick uh, hardcover. We're what's uh, we're, we're now uh, almost eight years and counting. Uh, yeah, with, uh, Molly Danger, uh, eight years and counting. Uh, Wait, Midnight Harvest. Richard wait, Bain. there was a follow-up to Molly Danger. Yeah, yeah. The the there was a Kickstarter ongoing series uh, collection in 2015 that never got fulfilled. I need to know one thing before you proceed. Mm -hmm. Do you have a spreadsheet for all this? No, I'm looking at my Kickstarters. Oh, I'm looking okay. at my unfulfilled Kickstarters. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, Midnight Harvest, Richard Pace's book was 2013. Um, wait, yeah, you, you back a lot so. of stuff though. Sure. Well, I, I used to back more. Uh, body yeah. bags, Jason Pearson, 2015. All I have to say is two words, and that'll bring the room totally down. Coolest yep. cooler. <laughs> well, that's the most. I mean, that's, yeah. that's by far and away the most infamous because it was beyond comics, right? It was it was right. a million dollar, you know, seven figure consumer 
debacle, but yeah. I mean, the the Mort Todd thing is the only uh, Kickstarter outstanding as far as comics go that I'm waiting for. But I mean, if you're bitching that you're 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 waiting a year for a, a book on Kickstarter, I, I think you need I'm, to find a hobby. I mean, be thankful that that is the most upsetting thing in your life. I would think. Right. I just, There's I don't know. so many other things that I could focus on. It's a world of instant gratification. That's the problem. They, You know, you want a song, you either steal it or download it. You want a comic, the same. So I, I, I have no uh, compassion for these people that complain mm-hmm. after a couple months. Like, I think, I think the other thing that is, that has, has made it stressful um, ha- has been, you know, of course, shipping and shipping rates, um, mm-hmm. and Amazon, um, and their free shipping and their, you know, easy returns and, you know, whatever. Um, I, I think people have completely lost sense of, of exactly internationally how expensive it is to ship stuff. And a, right. a lot of it is because of board game Kickstarters, because, Board game Kickstarters that are large will use drop shipments and they'll 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 freight a pallet, you know, to the UK and then distribute everywhere in Europe from there, and it's much, much cheaper. Um, the the problem with that idea is that a pallet has a flat cost if there's one book on it or if there's four hundred books on it. So, you know, if I promise twenty dollars shipping to the UK because I'm going to do a drop shipment and freight over a pallet and then have a company break it up. And then I get like 12 orders. Then I'm in huge trouble because it's going to cost like $500 to get that pallet overseas to begin with. So, um, but, but so like literally when I run a campaign for the first week, I get like three to four messages uh, telling me, uh, you know, a day telling me like how dare I ask that much for shipping because they backed this Kickstarter for this board game and it was only twenty dollars. And then I have to explain to them how uh this is my job and I know what I'm doing. <laughs> and uh you know and it and it but but it just happens over and over and over again. Like this just like how dare you charge this much for it? And it's like, well, I don't know. I I have a USPS stamps.com account and I know the way to the package and I know, you know, how much it costs to get to every single place. And probably six months from now, hopefully the book has been sent out, but the rates are going to go up anyways. And so, <laughs> you know, so, so like with international stuff, like there's some place in Australia was costing me a hundred dollars to get the book there. Oh my oh, God. Sure. Oh, yeah. Really? Yes. Yeah. I know we, cause we do that annual, we do an annual, uh, like, like holiday uh, gift exchange, you know, with the EOC community, and yeah. um, f- there is an international group, and and I know one year, um, you know, I volunteered to do the international arm, and I had to send to Aussie, and it was freaking like eighty nine dollars, I think, to send. Yeah, it's crazy. Package, yeah. And, yeah. yeah, it it's it's. Um, I mean, I get it. That book's going a really really far way, and it and it requires a lot of organization. A lot of people are involved, um, and and the the postal service is incredible. Like I, I will send out, you know, with curse words, like lost packages almost didn't happen. And you're, you know, sending out 1400 books and, and just like the amount of damages, I don't know, 10, maybe, you know, like that were caused by them, you know, like it's amazing. Like 
the, the way our postal service works, and I know it's like getting crazy expensive and people complain about it a lot. Like as a person that does a lot of shipping, it is shocking to me how frequently my books get exactly where they need to go. Um, it's just really expensive. <laughs> Inescapable. It really is. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, that was a lot of process, but it's insightful because uh, I think people need to know that, that, that these things just don't plop onto your doorstep with, with you know, uh, a, a tiny bit of effort. It takes a lot of work to get this stuff done. And I admire your tenacity. Um, I think, well, you know, yeah, the I average mean, person would have just said, fuck it, I'm going to go work in a warehouse. <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I was, you know, I was very driven that this is, I wanted to work in comics and nobody would hire me. And, um, you know, like, I, I even made friends with an editor once and, 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 and we, we were, I had a pretty good friendship and he was just like, look, man, just keep trying doing these samples. And I would turn in samples and he's just like, I'm sorry, man, I just can't hire you. <laughs> like, Oh God, it just, cr- just crushing, you know, like I just, uh, you know, like this person really likes me and my stuff is so not good enough that they just can't hire me as a favor. And like, so, you know, there were definitely times where I like quit drawing for long periods of time and, you know, just did my day job and all that stuff. And, and it was only really when I um, started doing it myself um, that I, that I had a little bit of success with it, you know, like, um, but, but, but I, but I still feel like I, I really need to do it myself. Um, and I, that it made me like this real control freak, um, and a lot of it is because when you work in comics, you're you're kind of working with a lot of nerds that don't know how to be professional and hit deadlines and stuff. And so, like, because I'm so OCD about things, like when I'm sitting there waiting for someone to do jo- a job that they promised me they would do on time and I can't do my job until they give me their aspect of it. I mean, that's why I end up drawing and coloring my own book and doing all the design myself, you know, like that's that that's what happens. Um, so, uh, uh, if I could, if I could be a person that just turns in penciled pages or whatever to an editor and, um, doesn't ever ship anything to anyone ever. I mean, that, that does sound pretty good though. (laughs) That does sound all right. Yeah. But would you really be happy though? No, probably not. Right. I mean, I, you know, I did those four issues of quantum and Woody with, with Chris Hastings and, uh, uh, you know, the scripts were, just great like super dense and very funny and and moving and like i don't know if you guys ever read that stuff but but i was i was really blown away by by um what he did in that and like those were 22 page or 20 page 20 page issues because valiant only wanted to pay for 20 pages so um it's just how dense they were it was i mean man those were great those are great great fun but you know now that it's done it's like well i have a trade of it somewhere in my studio and that's it and it's like not a thing i own and um you know i kind of forget i even did it now even though i'm really proud of it well that's the thing i didn't even know you did it yeah um there was a point where um dap and i were really invested in valiant and then with the regime change we kind of parted ways so i think that that contributed to the fact that we didn't like I had no idea you did Quantum and Woody. 
Well, I not I have no idea how many people bought it. I don't know what the numbers. Were. I remember seeing I it in previews. No idea. I didn't even see it in previews. Yeah. I I mean, if I see his name attached to a book, I'm going to get it. Yeah, but it was you know it was it was, you know, a job, just line art. I wasn't. They didn't hire me to do any covers. Um, it was just, you know, I did four issues. 20 pages each, so I drew 80 pages of Quam and Woody, and that's that. And you so, moved on. Yeah. Yeah, which is how most people do this. So, uh. right. It's an unforgiving industry. It really is. Yeah. But you're, you're, you're surviving, which is the good part. And yeah. uh, we just want to make people know, uh, aware that the uh, 8 billion genies is in this month's previews. So you're going to want to get in on the ground floor of this, buy the first issue. Don't wait for the trade because you don't know when it's going to come. Uh, did did you uh, did you guys see the Andrew Divoff cover for the first? Yes, yes. for the for first issue. issue? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's in the PDF. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 That's the best. That's the best thing I've ever done. <laughs> 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 Charles and I were like, "Wow, man! You know, wouldn't it be fun to do famous, famous genie variants? Yes. yes, and like, and like, get get pictures of actors who played famous genies and put them on the cover." Wait, I thought it was a joke. That's an actual cover. That's real. Yeah, that's that's a variant. Like that's a real. Cover. We got in touch yeah. with Andrew Divoff's people and said, "Hey, we're doing a book about genies." He played the Wishmaster, one of the best genies. Uh, would he would he be interested if we could we could pay you to to license a photo of him to put on the cover? And uh, he, he said he said yes. And he's like, you know, I want I want copies so that when I do appearances, I can sign them. And uh, he didn't awesome. even, I don't think we ever sent him the comic. I don't think he's I think he's he's seen the cover, but um, so I don't think he even knows what it's about, which is really funny. <laughs> Um, you know, so 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 he's not in the comic. No, you know, no, he's just a famous <laughs> genie. And well, he's an actor who played a famous genie in two out of the four films, Wishmaster films. And uh, <laughs> and 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 the best part about it was, so we paid him, and he gave us, he gave me the photo, and he's like, "Is this high res enough?" And it was like twenty five kilobytes. <laughs> I yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> and I was like, oh, crap. And so then, like, I was like, oh, man. And so my old job back before I did comics was I was I, I would do – I worked for a company, and, and part of what they did was they did funeral uh, tributes where your loved one died, and, and then you would submit a bunch of photos, and then, then we cleaned them up and put them into, like, a pamphlet or a brochure that you give out at the funeral. And later we went on to become a casket company. So I also worked at a casket company. But one of the skill sets that I learned while working there um, was to. Uh... Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Um, one of the skills I learned while working there was to to recreate old photos because people would send us. Photos were 50 kilobytes and be like, this is the only picture I have of my grandfather. And can you put it on the front cover of this big brochure? And, uh, okay. And so like I learned all the skill set of kind of repainting photos and building, <sighs> rebuilding photos. And so I got this, this 
25 kilobyte Andrew Divoff photo. And I'm like, no, that's not high res at all. Kid, do you have anything? He's like, no, that's the only version of it I have is this little JPEG. <laughs> and it's like clearly a picture from him, you know, on the set of Wishmaster uh, yes. or using yeah. like Wishmaster lighting and stuff. Like, <laughs> God, it's perfect. And so I re I repainted it. And so I, I spent half a day uh, just kind of painting over it and like adding some grain to it. And like, um, just kind of rebuilding it from like like Frankensteining it back together, and it looked pretty. It looks pretty oh, good. It looks really good, so. Yeah. And so so then I had this thought. I was like, man, that photo's got to exist out there somewhere. Like I can kind of tell every like little parts that um that it maybe isn't totally right. And so so I went on eBay and I found the photo, autographed photo for fifty bucks, and I bought it. No so uh, so it, I got it, and so now I've scanned it, and so the final one will be the scan version of of that. So, <laughs> I, which is almost the same as my painted version, but I can tell that they're different. Well, so. you can combine the two. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so what's next, Sinbad? I was going to say, there's lots of like, have, do you have other genies? Like, are we going to see we a Jack? We don't because I think they're all too expensive. What <clears throat> I mean, we wanted we wanted to do Sinbad. We tried to contact him. We never got a response. He's not dead. Um, what about Jombie? Uh, well, so oh, that's good. What I want, what I wanted Dude, to do, Jombie. What I wanted to do, Playhouse. No, no really. I, oh, I thought you said who's Jombie. Oh. No, no. I don't know who who plays Jombie though. I wonder if he's is he expensive. I wonder. I doubt it. Wishmaster was affordable. That was nice. Uh, but uh, uh, I, you know, <laughs> if. If he John Paragon played him. If he wasn't dead, rest in peace. Uh, I had the thought that there's a really famous Robin Williams impersonator, and oh yeah, uh, could we just get a get a, pay him for his headshot and just put him on the front and just say famous genies variant and it's just like a picture of a guy that looks just like is, Robin Williams. That's a variant. That's a great idea. <laughs> But then he he's dead though. So then I I don't yeah. think I do it. But but I thought like I don't know legally like can you just let someone think that? And then I started thinking like boy, there's a lot of there's a lot of celebrity lookalikes that'd be really funny to put on the cover of a comic and just let people assume it was <laughs> it was the celebrity. Mm, I got uh, bad news for you, uh, Ryan. Uh, yeah. John B was played by John Paragon, and you just missed your opportunity because he passed away last year. He couldn't have been that old. Need money. He was sixty-six. Uh, I don't oh, know. Man, that's sad. He died of chronic alcoholism. Well, Barbara Eden's still alive. Yeah, probably too expensive though. I don't know about that. I think Sh- Shaq does everything, but Shaq is probably really expensive. Uh, sure. He does the general ads. I think he'll do a cover for a comic, right? Too. But I bet the general pays him more than you know, yeah. five hundred bucks or whatever. <laughs> that's probably true. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean uh, this. We talked about getting trying to of Dan Dan Castellaneta, the, the voice of the genie in the Aladdin. Yes. Cartoon. Oh my so, God! Yes. Uh, you oh get my. him. You're killing so, me. Yeah. I <laughs> I say this with the best intention. <laughs> there's really something wrong with you. Yeah. <laughs> but so it's glad like, there's only one of him. I mean. I don't know, man. Putting the Wishmaster on your cover of, of your book about genies that has nothing to do with the Wishmaster, I think, is pretty fun. It's gold. But, you know, people yeah. are not going to – so many people are not going to get it, and I think that's okay. But you know what? It's the ones that it does connect with that are just going to – they'll be lifetime fans, I think. Right. But then also, like, 
especially if you've seen have you guys seen Wishmaster 2? Yeah. <laughs> okay, Wishmaster 2 is when Wishmaster goes to prison and uh because he needs people that uh like he allows himself to get captured by the police because he needs souls by people making wishes and so you know it's like oh you know like this is kind of like an 8 billion genie side story here like yeah you go to prison where everyone is dying to get out of there and make their wish and so you can convince people to make wishes very easily so um wishmaster in prison is incredibly funny um and uh i that's 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 my recommendation to all of you wishmaster 2 <laughs> I, I don't think it. I don't think it's incredibly funny in the way it was originally intended to be. But no, yeah, I don't know. There's some stuff when, when, when the guy wishes that his lawyer would screw himself, and then it shows the lawyer actually screwing himself in a weird, like special <laughs> effects way. That that movie knew what it was doing. That it's movie money. was funny. Yep. So. <laughs> I'm glad that Jason mentioned Jombie though. Yeah, that's, that's a, a good one. Yeah, it is a yeah, good one. Warms my heart. There you go. See that? Freaked uh, me out back in the day. So, oh, I yeah. mean, if, if, if anything, Ryan, at least maybe the variant will introduce people. They, they'll want to know why, why the hell Andrew Dayton is on this cover, and they'll seek out, and maybe you'll turn people into Wishmaster fans. <laughs> Could be. Could be. Then I can rest easy at night. Right. I've, I've done money my well job. spent. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. I haven't seen the Will Smith uh, genie thing. Is it any good? Uh, oh, you mean the, the live, action live, live action? Yeah. Yeah. It, it, he's it was entertaining. It. I mean, yeah. Yeah. He's he's like he's definitely one of the bright spots. Does he do a Robin Williams impression, or is he doing no? No, no, no. It's Will. It's the genie. You know, it's just just like the genie. The cartoon was was Robin Williams. As a cartoon, it this is just it's just Will Smith as a genie. Oh, okay, interesting. Neat. Yeah. All right, let's not belabor the point. Get yourselves to uh, a comic book store and make sure that you pre-order Eight Billion Genies because it's going to be hot. You're going to be pissed at yourself if you miss it, and you're going to have to pay a lot of money for the first issue. Whatever, just order it. Eight Billion yeah, Genies. Yeah, are, are they still doing no no second printing anymore? Oh, I don't know. You'd know more than than we. Yeah, they haven't. They haven't told us that. But I know Image is not doesn't do second printing anymore because of the paper shortage. I just don't. So. I don't understand why they don't reduce the print run of first issue, first trades, and then because the demand would be relatively robust, then they print a second printing of the first trade with a, a little page in the back saying, "Did you like this? Well, there's more," and that would solve the problem that you had. With people not knowing that there were more trades of, you know, curse words or yeah, well, so so I mean, you guys probably know this, but printing is priced like movie theater popcorn, right? So, mm-hmm. so you know, you never want to go back to print, right? Oh, like, right. A se- second printing is actually bad news, right? What that means is that the demand didn't didn't pre order or didn't wasn't. You know, people people didn't anticipate the demand right, and so you lost money because you had to go back to press. If you had printed those originally, like so, I mean, it's been a couple of years since I've been working with Image, but I but I know like the you know the the printers pretty standard like have a have a a, a job fee, which is you know turning on the machine they call it, and it's it's a thousand dollars, right? So like so 
if I have to do a second printing and we print 2000 of them and it costs me an extra thousand dollars just to turn the machine on and then like 17 cents a copy or whatever it is, like that's, that's a thousand dollars I lost because we couldn't get people to pre-order enough. Um, which like the system, the system of like, you have to go into your store and tell your worker that you at the store that you want the book like that, system is 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 really difficult i mean that's that's why kickstarter is a pre-order system so like my print run i did on god eight astronauts entirely based on how many orders i got um from from the kickstarter so uh but but i think i think the reason why they're not doing um second printings um is do you, do you guys know anything about working in a print shop or anything? Yes. I used to work in a print shop. Um, but so I think part of it is because of, of the runoff. So when they, when you start a printing job, you have to run like a certain amount of waste paper yeah. through the machine for whatever reason. And that stuff just gets recycled. And so I would guess in a paper shortage, they don't want to do that. Um, so, uh, I would guess this would be a thing that would come down from the printer that, you know, it's it's now this much more expensive to start a job because you're throwing away this much runoff of paper when you start up the machine. That's a guess. Right, yeah. And then there's the dreaded setup fee. Yes. Which shouldn't apply to a, a, a second printing, but mysteriously it does. Well, there's a plate change fee because you'll have a, you'll have a different cover. So that's that's yeah. what you and that and that which only like, applies to the cover, not the guts. But whatever. Yeah, that's right. like five hundred. That's like five hundred bucks. Yeah. So, um, yeah. like you know, it, it's it's this interesting world that like you can um, if you cover that plate change fee, like stores are doing that now to get their own covers and to have store exclusive covers, um, which is really really interesting and cool. Um, that stores, you know, can make that work financially and 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 you know, make make money in this. So, Isn't that uh, ridiculous? So to pay a printer five hundred dollars to have an employee walk over to the the printer, change the plate, five hundred dollars. That's I insane mean, to me. It's it's supply and demand, right? Like yeah. so, either it's priced that way because they don't want to do it. Like, that's it's why it's priced that way. Priced because that way. You'll, yeah. Or this price that way because you'll pay it. And right. like, oh, you paid hundred dollars. You pay two hundred, three hundred, yep. four hundred. Ah, oh, it's five hundred today. You know. Yeah. So. Oh well, what are you going to do? But th- this was deeply insightful, and um, just your enthusiasm for this book, um, combined with what we already experienced. I I don't know, brother. I think it's going to be really, really big. I hope. It, I hope so. I I think so. Um, yeah, man, it was great. It's great having you back on the show. It's been been ridiculously long, so it's good good that you're back in the in the loop. In the yeah, rotation. let's not make it another what five yeah, years. Seriously. Yeah, and I feel like I feel like you guys bring out the, the the shop talk in me more than than any people I ever talked to. Well, because there aren't <laughs> many why. podcasts out there that are as knowledgeable about that. Yeah, well, yeah. You know, we're having a chat. You know, we don't. <laughs> you know, we're not yeah. about we're not about that uh, that that PR interview life. I yeah. swear I can be light and funny and and yeah, I, you, like every time I'm on this show I'm like boy I just talk to people about an industry that they might not be that interested in this minutia right if they're I, still you, listening to us yeah, they yeah. are interested yeah. in the minutia yeah all you got to do to, to lighten the room is say parfait <laughs> oh before we let you go I mean are you uh 
I mean, you got the two kids now. Also, like, are you gonna are you are you back to doing cons this year? Or are you still not sure? Uh, I did C two E two last December, um, yeah. and, and you know we were in a pretty good lull in between variants. So, um, you know, and and you know Chicago's pretty darn good about about COVID. So that that sure. was great. I mean, I wore I wore you know an N ninety five the entire time. I brought a straw and I bought. Uh, my food was like all these little bars that I could break up and like slide up under the mask. But then I realized that I just, by the end of the day, I was so exhausted and so dehydrated because I, I was like, it was too, it was so hard to like get the straw and stick it up under my mask and stuff. So, um, but, but, but it, but it was great. Like it was great, um, being back at a comic show and like, it's this amazing, like it resets me to like realizing that people are actually reading these things and that they care like the the people that come with like a list and like a, a short box on a wheelie cart and pull out the various books of yours that they have that they need you to sign or that you did covers for or whatever like that's awesome you know like mm-hmm. because when a when a book comes out you know you get you know a couple mentions on twitter or whatever and it's you just you just assume that you're selling this many copies that those people must be reading it, but you don't really get like, it's so awesome to go to a comic show and have someone tell you about, you know, the part that they thought was cool or the thing that they thought was funny. And it usually is not a thing that, 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 you know, on surface was, was supposed to be like the popular part of part of a book. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I, I'm gonna do C2E2 again in August. Uh, I might do Heroes Con. No, might. Uh, Got to do Heroes. Do we? We are gonna represent at Heroes. We're gonna be deep. We got, we got like massive amounts of people coming to Heroes. Yeah, that would be fun. It would be really, really fun. I sh- I should do it. I haven't done it in so long, and you know that was always like a really fun show to do. You got to do it's it. It's a great show. Do it. Do it is yeah. a really good show. <laughs> that was so um, funny. You're just like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my dude, you're a riot. Um I, I wish you all well with this book, but I I don't have to because I think it's gonna connect extremely hard. You guys have any anything else you wanna ask uh Ryan before we uh end this puppy? No, we'll, we'll let this we'll let this man go back to his his, his God given talents of, of drawing fun, funny stuff. Yeah, right. I got I'm doing I, uh, I'm doing this commission right now of the, the, the bone bone armor moon knight. Uh, fighting ghosts and so i've just drawn some of my favorite ghosts like you know like and i don't have swayze in there because i didn't want i thought of it and i didn't want to draw the likeness um but like uh now is this a commission that's overdue from a con like did you take a no i took i took commissions this month for the first time in a long time yeah i did reach out to me remember you messaged me and you said how much for a commission i said let me come on your show Oh, that's how this all started. There you go. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> meaning, meaning Jason dropped the ball. No, he blew me off. He didn't receive and tell me. Yeah, I said I would do one for you if you let me come on your show. Oh, no. Uh, no, cool. ma- no dude, I said that wouldn't be cool because no. then it wouldn't be fair to you guys. Yeah, no, right. make no, him pay for coming it. back to me. Uh, his thing is going to be so full of tangents. It's going to be Domino with like <laughs> 74 tangents. And whales. He's going to love it. Tangents and <laughs> whales. Oh, Domino, Domino riding a whale. whale full of well, that would be perfect for Ryan to draw. <laughs> Oh it would be God. really, really good. Well, I do. I and 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 yes, there's the proof that um, if you if you go to um, Brown Town with ease at the end of both words uh, dot big dot com, you can 
if you missed out on the, if you forgot or just missed out on the Kickstarter like I did, um, I did order the uh, God Hates Astronauts omnibus while we were talking tonight. Yeah, so. I, I'm in on that, but the Curse Words omnibus is sold out. What's up with that? No, it's because there's mean, a new print, like Ryan said, there's a new printing coming, coming from Image um, in May. It's the exact same book, except that it has a different, it has a different cover. Um, yeah, but, but soft cover or hard? No, hard cover. Oh, hard okay. Cover. All right. Yep, same printer doing everything. You know, it's the same files. All right. Um, except for the cover is different. And right. there's uh, a bunch of stores. If they if you ordered five copies of it, your store got a special slip case or uh, like a yeah like a slip cover kind of thing. You know wow. that 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 foldy paper that always gets damaged. That stuff. So uh, yeah, so. Uh, that's supposed to be in May, but I think that that will be sitting on a boat in May. So, <laughs> well, listen, man, it's great to great to to connect with you. Uh, you know, I'm sure next time you come on, you'll have three or four kids. So, <laughs> and he'll be oh telling us about the options out for eight billion genies. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I hope so. We're taking it out uh, tomorrow, I think, to people. So, oh, I hope so. It's gonna oh, happen. Of luck. And and curse words got reoptioned by the same people for the third time. So, uh, you know, one day maybe something will will go somewhere. So. Dude, Ryan Reynolds is wizard. Come on. I mean, yeah, right. I mean, some of the names they've thrown around are really fun. Uh, <laughs> really, really fun. So, uh, I don't know. All that Hollywood stuff is really funny because all the meetings you take is all people talking very positively, and then just nothing happens. And yeah. and you know, but it's like I don't know. It's 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 cool to dream. You know, it's cool to dream about yeah. it. So it'll happen. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah, it, it it will. All right, everybody. Hey, we're glad that you've spent this time with us. If you would like to hear more of this, uh experience more of this go to the twitter reddit instagram and facebook we're all over that visit our patreon page patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics i did not mention it at the head of the episode but this episode has been sponsored by our patrons we love them they are glorious and always there for us and if you'd like to join that group spend time with us on slack every day reap all the benefits of the various tiers go to patreon.com like I said, forward slash 11 o'clock comics. Take a look around. If you like what you see, we'd be really stoked to have you. In the meantime, Ryan, thank you. Make thank you sh- for having me. This yeah. Awesome. This make, sh- awesome, make sure that you pre-order 8 Billion Genies from Image. It's in this previews. Do it. Don't be left out. Uh, say good night. David. Good night. I don't always serenade you. You don't. No. That was special. Because Ryan's here. Yes, that is special. <laughs> David. Nice. You nailed it. I tried. Come back next week. Ryan won't be here, maybe, but uh he will be in spirit. Uh and we are out of here. Say good night, gentlemen. Lady yo. Good night. Good night. Thanks, Thanks again. Ryan. Yay. Thanks, guys. You're the bomb. I have a wish, but it's it's NC seventeen. Duh. <laughs> yeah. You'd be you'd be one of the first that would be wiped out. It sounds like. 
No. <laughs> For me, it's it was the it was the do. Would it be the better play to make a wish instantly, like like Homeboy did, or would it be the play to try and hold out as long as possible so your wish can per, can you know be most impactful and persist? So what would you do? What would you guys wish for? I know exactly what I would wish for. What? I would wish my dad would be back. Oh, that would be good. That's yeah. that. See, that's 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 a good wish. Yeah. Un- until someone turns you both into frogs or something. Yeah, but that's that's why that I'm I'm this is not on the episode, but that's why that scene resonated so so much with me because I would definitely wish for my father. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I I, pro- I mean just being being analytical like I am, I I wouldn't make a wish for a minute. Like I would be sitting there probably trying to figure out the optimal wish, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But but then it would definitely revolve around something like I try and figure out the way that I could most most appropriately voice the wish that would allow me to protect my family through all of the craziness. Wait, can I amend my wish? Yeah, Th- there would there would suddenly be a moment where Beth would blink out, and then I would be sending you pictures like Pete sending Kanye or the fucking <laughs> pictures. <laughs> I'd be like, yeah, That's dude. <laughs> Jesus. I'm sorry. That's fucked up. <laughs> Dude, your wife is awesome. <laughs> she is. No doubt about that. Yeah. And I got her. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. All right, Ryan. Let's get out of here. I got to edit this thing. Yeah. Okay. Thank, Thank you, you, my man. It was it was, it was great. Enjoy your hobby or family. Bias, all right? Uh, I, w- I will sometimes. I'll, I'll see you in uh, like two weeks for the draft. Oh yeah, that'll be really yeah. fun. And then I'm we'll see you at Heroes, hopefully. Yeah, yeah. Lock it up, dude. Heroes is gonna be lit. Yeah, come on, don't 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 molly gag. Well, I mean, if you can't, you do know, anything. Heroes. One well, part of the problem is Heroes is on my birthday this year. You know, so that's better. Yeah, but at least it's not on Father's Day weekend. You I, your kids, so, are, if your kids you... are too young to 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 do anything gratifying for you on your birthday, so it's still a good time to go. Uh, Heroes has a long history, although not this year, of being on Father's Day weekend, and I just turned it into a thing where my Father's Day gift from my lovely wife and kids was letting me go to Heroes. Here's the deal. You go to Heroes, I buy you dinner. Okay. No matter what you want. No matter What kind of dinner? Whatever you want. Five guys down the street. No, not five guys. I'm kidding. Like real food. Sorry, but... You know, something Queen City or Mertz, or, yeah, well, there's plenty of places. We'll buy you d- well, well, the, fa- the fancy place Jason took us to. Yeah, well, yeah, well, okay. I mean, I, I mean, I'll I'll double down on this. I mean, if 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 Ryan comes to Heroes, we'll we have a couple nice dinners planned. We'll take him with us. Hell yeah, covered. You're done. Drinks, dinner, yeah, sure. everything. Look at you guys planning things. You're so smart. Well, we try to do that. I'm like stressed out with like, dude, you're meticulous. Dude, just got talking talking about about how he planned out what everybody's going to be wearing for the next eight centuries. Oh, yeah, but that's that's not real. Oh, my God. Oh, yes, it is. Dude, you would kill it in Roblox. That's Uh, still a thing. Oh, yeah, sure. Roblox is worth tens of billions of dollars, dude. Really? Yeah. Because of the various apps? Yeah. Oh, okay. It's it's considered by many, and I don't know that. 
I'm kind of dubious of this personally, but a lot of people think it's like a great metaverse play, you know, like this whole metaverse concept. Aesthetically, I think it's better than Minecraft. Not by much, though. I think so. Yeah. I think the characters are better designed. I'm still not down with the blocky blockiness, but... Oh, I love pixel art. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we're out of here. Thank you, gentlemen. All right, All right Thank peace. You. Be that good. You are the best. That was awesome. That's it for that one.